It's the Black Swarm Podcast, baby. We're raw. And welcome to the Week 15 edition of the Black Swarm Podcast. Hank Piper here with Rob Antonell. Uh, Tremendous interview with Drew Sarakman of Stark Media a little bit later on in the show. But for right now, as always, uh, let's recap last week's win over Lake. Rob, what are your thoughts? Uh, I thought we did exactly what it took to win. Uh, obviously, it was a really cold <laughs> game, uh, slick, icy out there. So it was kind of hard to you know, use the full playbook, right? A little, a little bit windy as well. So... Uh, I think we ran the ball pretty well. Lake's defense was, um, I think they held up better than I expected. Mm-hmm. They did a pretty good job uh, against the run. Uh, of course, Black Swarm defense shut down anything that Lake tried to do all game long. Um, what I was, my, my only uh, like real negative is that Lake went down and scored once we got our second pulled the in. first string out. Yeah. Yeah. Seems it wasn't a, the fact that they scored. It was just kind of like they turned it on to not get shut out seems right have, after we did that. Seems so. to have been a theme of like most teams we've played this year. Yeah. I mean, I had Mas- Maslin minus 24, and I was sitting nice and pretty <laughs> until that dumb drive um, with a very bad pass interference call with a ref that wasn't even looking because he was running the wrong way and had his back turned and boo. Uh, yeah, but it is what it is. Uh, I think Maslin played a pretty good game. Uh, a few tweaks. Uh, I, I think we could have passed the ball more. I, like I said, I, the weather was crap, and we didn't need to. Right. But I think we could have. I know there was a few that didn't look great coming out of Slaughter's hands, but we kept throwing those screens, and I felt like those were coming out pretty nice. Tight spiral. And I was just thinking, like, maybe those quick in-rhythm throws, he has his feet planted compared to moving around a little bit. When he was off-platform, I think that's where it was kind of coming out weird. Mm -hmm. So I think we could have thrown a little bit more. Those tag screens are still like 20-yard throws, something that people might not realize. It's behind the line of scrimmage, but it's like 20 yards in the air. So if you can do that, there are other routes that you can throw as well. There was one time in particular, it was like third and four, Banks is out wide by himself. Corner is a 10-yard cushion. I think that would have been a nice, easy, just pitch and catch first down. Yeah. Uh, and that's also like a throw Swatter had been making all night pretty much. So we didn't need to. We were able to run, able to win the game, sustain drives that way. And there wasn't a real need to risk it either. But with that being said, I think we could have thrown it. We just didn't really need to. Yeah, that was kind of my impression of it too. Um you know, you saw right before halftime that we needed to get the two-minute drill going. We went out in four wides and even then didn't need to throw it. You know, they lightened up the box so much. Yep. It was Most of that stuff was just handed off to trail up the middle on a little G-wrap play, and he, we were picking up the yards we needed to. Um, on that note, I did want to get your thoughts on right before halftime, you know, going in, trying to score. It was, what were we at, like third and five, third and manageable – 
no timeouts left mm, yeah. f- inside the 10. Yeah. And, you know, heard people talking like, oh, why don't we just take the points, take the points. I'm perfectly fine being super aggressive yep. there, you know, where defense is absolutely shutting them down. Not that most teams would really have time to do much in that situation anyway. And if you look at it, you kick a field goal, you're up by two possessions, you make that field goal, then you're still up by two possessions. So, hey, I'm fine getting a little bit greedy, going for more points, trying to make it a three-possession game, mm-hmm. really put Lake in the hole. Um, yeah, I had no problem with that. You know, it it seems like when we try to go hyper-aggressive like that and kind of steal some points here and there, that we're just snake bit every time. Shit happens like it tends to be the worst possible scenario for us almost every time. In this case, Slaughter has to scramble, gets hit, fumbles the ball. It is what it is. You know, that's stuff that we've been able to come back from. Um, and I'm fine with getting a little extra adversity in there and, you know, seeing how the team responds. Yeah, I was fine with going for it in that situation. I wasn't a, a huge fan of the play call. Just or two and, by two, four verts, or at least how it played out. I should say. Yeah. Um, I, I was just thinking, you know, just throw the, a jump ball, right? Let's just three step jump ball, pretty mm-hmm. safe, quick. Uh, you know, if you're going to like banks, it's a pretty risk free throw, at least in that yardage, it should be. So, yeah, I I think that's that's what you usually see in those situations because you can't risk really being in bounds. I don't think we had any timeouts left. Nope. So uh, it, it just seemed like there, was, there wasn't just that real quick option for Slaughter to throw it, and that's what I was looking for. I was looking for something quick, something one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Even if you went three-by-one, you could maybe do a little bit more because you have that backside option. But going two-by-two, two, I think it was just a little clustered. And in that situation, you really only had the jump ball anyway, so... I feel like you could have just set it up for that. But, I mean, it is what it is. Go for points. Go for what you think is going to work at the time or, you know, what the defense is trying to give you. Just, I think, you know, of, of course, looking back at it, you know. Yeah, hindsight. Hindsight. Uh, I think I would have just drawn up a jump ball play and then kicked it afterwards. Honestly, I think that's what they were trying to go for because you've seen a lot of that drive and a lot of times it went for wide we were going trips, which we haven't really done mm-hmm. that much of. And, you know, I think they had a good adjustment to it, especially in that situation when you go trips. Honestly, you're kind of giving the defense an easy way to get a two-on-one over banks. So I think going two-by-two two forces the defensive hand a little bit. Like you said, it did seem a little bit crowded down there. But against, uh, I think it was a quarters look that they were showing, you're pretty much guaranteeing that one-on-one with banks in the corner. Because if the safety cheats over, then you got the inside guy pretty much free and clear. Uh, now he got rerouted and wasn't an option. But yeah. I think the biggest thing was the pass protection just broke down. Slaughter didn't have time to get the ball off. It is what it is. You keep it moving. Um, so it's like I see what they were going for. Obviously, hindsight, maybe we have a different call that would have worked better in that situation. But fuck it. We still got the dub. Yeah, and I'm perfectly fine with it. I think in games like that, it's okay to um, try more things. Mm-hmm. Not always take just the easiest, simplest option. Not saying it has the best success, the highest success rate, but just throwing a jump ball is the easiest. Like, 
you know, ask a seventh grader what play to run right here. You know, like, yeah. not that much thought that goes into it. Um, so I, th- I think it is, in those type of games, I think it's perfectly fine to try to do that. So um, it happens. I, I You know, if that happens in, you know, this week, you know, if it's a tied game going into half and, you know, your protection breaks down. You fumble the ball away when you're on the 10, 15. Uh, how close were we? Pretty close. Yeah. 15-ish. Uh, I can look that up while you keep talking. Red zone. Uh, you know, that happens in, like, a tied game against Hoban. Now, that's a completely different story. Everyone's going to be like, oh, why don't you take the points? Why don't you throw it away? But uh, in like in a game like that, I think it's all right to be a little bit more aggressive, try some things out, and uh, test test your players, you know, see what they're made of. Yeah. Uh, third and five from the nine. From the nine. So, oh. yeah. And it... In a different situation, in a team like Hoban, yeah, you're calling that completely differently. Yeah. Um, but I think overall, the rest of the game, you know, like you said, Lakes defense came out a little, playing a little bit tougher than we were used to. Um, they were doing some different stuff on the defensive front, kind of fucking with our rules for power a little bit, getting some guys running in free. Uh, from what I could see, it wasn't dudes missing blocks. It was just they had it schemed up to where they were getting that free rusher. And sometimes it worked for them, sometimes it didn't. I think you look overall, what do we have? 241 rushing yards. I think it didn't work more times than it did for him. Um, Pringle obviously coming up big time on key third downs and just yeah. being a dude. Really the only time it didn't work was the uh, that first fourth down we had going into the end zone, and we get stuffed, but hey – just like we drew it up, they have to they have to run the ball from their own one yard line, fumble the snap, and we get two points and ball back. We ended up first quarter had the ball for the entirety of the first quarter outside of that one play. Yeah, one play. Just absolutely dominated uh, time of possession. Otherwise, you know, we had something you'd never see. We had twenty one third downs and seven fourth down attempts. That's just. That that's churning the clock or churning, mm-hmm. you know, words are hard. That's running the ball, um, getting that three yards in the cloud of dust offense. This game, it was like more, it was more like three yards in the cloud of ice, but still. Yeah, I think Lake's defense had a really good job of just dying slowly. They didn't really give up the big plays. Uh, they made it tough on us, but at the end of the day, we're still able to win, still able to sustain drives. Uh, and put up a lot of time of possession. So I think they did a pretty good job of trying to slow us down. We were just able to overcome it. Yeah. Um, I mean, hey, if you're going to take that death by a thousand cuts approach, then they couldn't have really played it much better than they did. Like looking at it, you know, Trell's longest run was only for 24 yards. Pringles was for 10. Our longest pass of the night was for 12 yards, and that was to uh, uh, Wiggins on a tag screen. Um but other than that, we just killed them, man. Like, we held them. They were 0 for 8 on third down, 1 for 3 on fourth. You know, you get one conversion on the night. There's essentially zero teams that are going to win in that scenario. Yeah, I mean, I think we held them to, like, 20, 25 total yards before the second string went in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, obviously, our defense – just absolute lights out. It's what you expect from them in a in an environment like that, a, a game like that where Lake's going to have to just run it, run it, run it. That goes right into our strength of our defense. That's what we want to see. 
Uh, if they did try to pass it, it just it wasn't happening. Uh, the center was shook from the beginning of the game. Oh yeah, with big what, like Mike three bad snaps in a row. With big Mike lined up over in front of him. Uh, so I mean that defense is intimidating, and they're capable of doing that to just about anybody. Uh, going back to our offense, real quick. You know, we talked about what type of game it was, where you had to run it, couldn't really do downfield passes too much. The longest pass was on a tag screen. The one thing I would have loved to see us do better at was blocking outside. I think our receivers had a a bad game blocking. I was to, I was trying to think of like a better word, but yeah. I, I just think they they did not block well. I was very disappointed with their blocking efforts, mm-hmm. their blocking ability. A couple of times, just missing guys, not sustaining blocks. Um, I mean, I know it's cold. I know you're not doing a whole lot, but you know that's how you're going to win a game. You know, when you have crappy conditions, you got to take them how you get them. And if it means you don't get any balls thrown your way all night, you still got to go out there and block. You have to you have to get those blocks going. And I think we missed a lot of blocks or could have sustained blocks better. I I was not happy with how they blocked at all yeah that was something um sitting next to you in the stands that you were saying quite a bit and it's never really something I look at that much you know I got eyes on the offensive line I'm trying to see what we're doing there and how we're blocking up and there might have been one play really that I noticed Banks was he got the block but it didn't look great but yeah that was something you were harping on all night um I mean if again, if this is a game to have something like that happen, good. Like dog them in film, get it out of the way, get all the yips out, and get ready for next week. Yeah, I mean, everything is correctable. Yeah, but I think that was a very sore spot in the game. Was just multiple miss ta- blocks, or not very good blocks, I should say. So uh, that's not like us. Not to say that we're like world beaters out there, like mm. I'm praising how good blocking they are every week, but, but it was noticeable how much worse they were at it this week compared to the rest of the season. So I think that's something that will easily be fixed. I think it's just a matter of getting on them a little bit. Mm. So because they're able to do it, it's not like they're just getting beat out there. So I'll, I mean, I don't, I don't know, but definitely something to look forward to be better this week. Yeah. Um, I got nothing else really on the game. It was nice to see the refs for the entirety of the game not be absolutely atrocious. I don't really remember them sticking out one way or another. Uh, they gave us a lot of bad spots, but outside of that, it wasn't a horribly called game. Head, the head ref had a hard time with his microphone. Oh, yeah, I, I wish he would have. I wish he would have just left it off. Um, and, you know, it's always nice to when you get to a week 14 regional championship. <laughs> I forgot about this too. The play clock operator is so inept <laughs> that they have to ask him to just stop. Yeah. We'll play this game without a play clock because you're so bad at it. Regional championship. Uh, I yeah, that's sad. Yeah. But one might say close to unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, we played final four games without play clocks at all mm-hmm. at the stadium it's so i mean <laughs> it's doable but like i've never had a ref ask a <laughs> scoreboard operator play clock operator to just stop trying yeah 
Like, we gave up faith in you. We don't <laughs> believe you can actually run a play clock. What so, was that after, like, the third or fourth time they told him to reset it or, like, fix it? Yeah. I I was actually wondering if there was an issue with their system or not because they kept trying to get him to bump it up to... 40? Four, no, I think it was supposed to be 25. And it kept bumping up to 40. And it would set to 25, and then as soon as they would roll it, it would go 39, 38. <laughs> and it's like, no, put it back to 25. And it's like, all right, so it went to 25. Mm-hmm. They'd roll it, 39, 38. They're like, what the? I, I don't get it. Whatever, just go. Yeah. And then they eventually just asked him to stop. Now, it did start working again in the second half. So they let him have his, uh, you know. A little bit, yeah. Game was mulligan. But, yeah, no, that's. I've never seen that before either. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. That totally uh, just, you know, left my mind. Yeah. I, Jesus Christ. But, yeah, so. Beyond the uh, Three Stooges-like game clock operation and some less-than-stellar spots, it was good that the refs weren't really that memorable throughout, which is something that's unfortunately been a theme for us through the playoffs. Maslin still had too many fouls, too many penalties. Yes. Something to get cleaned up. Um, But it is what it is. That's something that you're not going to beat the great teams with that shit, but when you're winning, I guess you'll take it in the moment and work on it, you know, and practice the next week. So, obviously, I'm not going to – they know that that's something that needs fixed. It's not something that we need to sit here and harp on. So, get it fixed or golden. That's pretty much it. So, with that, uh, get a word in from our sponsors over at Ground Zero MMA. If you're looking to get into any sort of fighting gym, you know, kickboxing, MMA, jiu-jitsu, uh, yoga, got some lessons for kids. If you want to get your kids into that stuff, you can go check them out at GroundZeroMMA.com, Ground Zero Mass and Martial Arts on Facebook, or GZ underscore MMA on Instagram, or just do it the old-fashioned way, go down in person and check them out at 133 First Street Northeast, 44646, right across the street from Madison Transmission and Chloe's Diner. So with that, we'll kick it over to our interview with Stark Media's Drew Serakman. He's got some phenomenal insights on Hoban, game coming up this week. Uh, really, I can't speak highly enough of him. He's, you know, very – you can tell he uh, that he talks for a living now, and he's really good at it. And everything – he's not just – He's not just saying nothing. Everything he says, very insightful, worth listening to. So check that out, and then we'll see you on the other side of the film room. And we'd like to welcome back on the show uh, special guest Drew Serakman. You know, no time like this week to bring on a former Hoban offensive coordinator. Yeah, I'm I'm lucky to get in here and hopefully get out alive. (laughs) Uh, You know, we'll see how the interview goes and then see if you you can make it out the door. Obviously, Rob's not here. He had stuff to do. Life happens, so. No worries. Just you and me tonight. And, uh, I mean, hey, let's just get into it. Um, you know, Maslin Hoban, InfoCision Stadium, big game. Would have probably a game you'd like to see as a state championship, but, hey, state semifinal, can't uh, can't be too mad about it. Yeah, you know, it's, God, both teams at this point have, you know, been pretty consistent. I mean, Hoban had that late blip in the season to Ed's. Reds really, you know, beat their ass. Um, but, you know, I was kind of surprised they put this game at InfoCision because the talk during the season is that InfoCision didn't want to have 
uh, a game, and it was like pulling teeth to have Hoban St. V there because they're saying, oh, it's not worth it. So I think the OHSA opened up their pocketbook a little bit and was like, hey, we're not going to have these teams go up to Parma and get sniped on social media. Yeah. So we'll pay you to have the game uh, at InfoCision. But, yeah, I mean, Maslin, hell, they've been consistent. You know, I think last time I talked to you guys was right before the Fitch game. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to beat beat down Fitch and what they ran the ball for 420 yeah. yards on them. I mean, down their throat. ran power like 80 times and just Fitch couldn't stop it. Yeah. So, I mean, they've, they've been super consistent. I think both teams are pretty healthy. Um, you know, I was telling you right before this, Hoban, uh, the last two weeks, this is the first time they've had their whole expected starting defense together these last two weeks the entire season so um they've got you know some players on that defense just to preview for i mean jason martin the defensive tackle um who i mean masson really struggled to block in the state championship game two years ago he was a sophomore he was a sophomore that game yeah jesus christ and he you know he just dominated um you know he's he's on that defensive line david bell someone they got back from injuries playing really well uh, outside linebacker, DN type. Um, their best receiver from last year, a kid named Ricky Williams, is now playing linebacker, and he's like 220. He gained like 40 pounds in the offseason, grew about an inch or two, so he's playing well for them. Uh, C. Grant, remember C. Grant played at Ohio State? Mm-hmm. His captain, his son, is on the team. He's a defensive back. Um, he's just getting back from injury. So I mean they're 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 kind of you know at a time right now where they probably feel good because you know they're healthy uh, on the offensive line they were banged up for a while so I think they're getting healthy there um, you know Lamar Sperling the running back is an absolute stud uh, I mean I, I I think and you know I think that's good because I think Will Trell mm-hmm. is probably going to come into this game with a little chip on his shoulder I mean that's all everybody talks about. It's freaking Lamar Sperling. Oh, you know he's, I mean he's got three thousand over three thousand yards and fifty touchdowns this season. I mean that's freaking insane. Um, and just to to give you a little idea about him, so you know in the past we've had Todd Sibley and Diamante Trainum. You're familiar with those guys, Tyrus Dickerson. For some reason, teams just don't get clean shots on Lamar Sperling. It's like his style of running. So that's probably why he gets more carries. I think he's probably getting thirty carries a game he'll probably get 30 plus touches against you guys um but yeah i mean they're they've been running the ball well you know um as far as quarterback goes they got a transfer in from west virginia jakai long he's a junior about 6'3 205 210 maybe and uh you know he hasn't really had to win them games you know they say he's athletic haven't seen him run much. Um, he's very accurate throwing the ball. But when I watch him sometimes, it's just like I feel like he doesn't have it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there, there's that it factor that you want your quarterbacks to have, and I just feel like sometimes he doesn't have it. And when I think about this game, you know, I'm like, okay, Hoban's front seven on defense, really good. Maslin's front, def- front seven on defense, Probably the best in the state of Ohio. You know, Maslin's running game has been phenomenal. Lamar Sperling running ball for Hoban has been phenomenal. So there'll probably be spurts in this game where both teams have success running the ball. Both teams have success stopping the run. 
So I think it's going to come down to which one of these quarterbacks between Jalen Slaughter and Ja'Kai Long make throws to win this game. I mean, um, when's the last time that Jalen had to make throws to win the game? St. Ed's? Yeah. So a couple weeks ago on our show, um, I think it was maybe the first round of the playoffs, I was saying, you know, I'd like to see Maslin, even though you can run it at will, maybe throw the ball 14, 15, 16 times so he can get back in the rhythm of throwing it that many times. Because, you know, there's timing things, there's feel things. You know, in the playoffs, the teams you're playing overall should be better than the teams you're playing in the regular season. Maybe not the case for Maslin so far. <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh, in the playoffs. But, no, I mean, I think it's going to come down to these quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, like you said, we saw uh, Slaughter basically win us the game against Eds, kept mm-hmm. us in the game. He had to sling that rock, and he did it. And I think that was the last big game Ardell really had to show up to, and he has. That's something we've that's been talked about on the show before. He's mm. a little bit inconsistent, but when he's on, he's you know one of the most dominant receivers in Ohio right now. Yeah, did Ardell have a touchdown catch this past week? I think he did. Yeah. So that's what five straight weeks now they've connected. Oh, damn! I think for a touchdown. I know it was three in a row after the first playoff game. And then I thought he scored one the next two. So that's a nice little streak going. You know, everyone talks about Will Trell's streak, Mm -hmm. you know, 100-yard games. But that connection's been consistent, man. Slaughter to Ardell. Yeah. Um, So I want to ask about what you said about, you know, wanting to get the quarterback more reps in live end game. Mm -hmm. Uh, How much – how much does that help versus getting reps in pre- – I mean, I know you like you kind of know your practice guys and you're mm-hmm. practicing against the second stringers. You're not going 1v1 because, frankly, teams, high school teams don't have the personnel to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, how much does it really help considering you're seeing so many different defenses week in, week out in the playoffs? Yeah, you know, I think that's great. Um, you can only simulate in practice what you think the other team's going to do. Mm-hmm. So – you know, when you go into a game, a lot of times, especially when teams are the underdog going against Maslin, they're going to see teams are going to try different things because they're like, okay, we don't match up well against them doing this. So we got to throw some things at them that they're not expecting. So I think like that's tough for a quarterback, especially for a sophomore to say like, okay, I'm going to prepare for, you know, one thing. And then you see something different. So, you know, like Troxler and those guys really got to talk to him and say, like, hey, all right, we thought they were going to do this, they're doing this. And, you know, I think a good example of that uh, in in reverse is St. Ed's. St. Ed's doesn't change what they do. They're not special. Like offense, defense, they're like, this is who we are, and this is what, you know, we're going to do. And, look, he had a really successful game against them because, you know, they just he, – he, it's probably what he prepared for all week. Um so, you know, like Renzi Parnell, the defensive coordinator at Hoban, I've got a ton of respect for. He's been there since Tim got the job in 2012. He's had head coaching offers. He does a great job. Um, you know, he, he's really like his point is like we, we don't want to give up any deep shots. So he does a lot of different things to disguise that. And, you know, the difference, I think, in the game – that Maslin beat Hoban up at InfoCision last time was they had a blown coverage on that first drive. I think you guys hit a post for a touchdown, right? Yeah. It was, I don't know if it was Wilson Lamp or, or, or Ballard, but uh, 
it was a blown coverage. They're supposed to be in trail coverage. Corner supposed to be in trail with the safety over top. The safety didn't get the memo. <laughs> so he's this corner's trailing the whole way and he just boom, put it right on him. And mm-hmm. I mean, that, that score ended up being uh, the difference in the game, right? Yeah. So uh, he does a good job. So I think they'll try to, you know, put some pressure on, on uh, slaughter and it's going to be important for Hoban uh, and for Maslin first down on defense. Get both teams in a position where they've got it, they're behind the chains. Like, okay, if, and, and I think Hoban does this a lot, especially against teams that they think don't throw the ball well or haven't thrown the ball a lot, is they're very aggressive on first down. And sometimes they're going to get burnt. Sometimes you're going to, replace them, you know, in the hole and, and pop it for a 12-yard gain on first down. But you get a three-yard loss and you're at second 13. You know, I bet if you were to go back to look at Maslin, if they have a loss on first down, any team really, you know, what's their success rate of gaining a first down? Right. So, you know, and those are the wins that you've got to have. you got to have those wins on individual plays on first down. And I think, you know, both teams, that should be a game plan for – the defense be like, all right, let's win first down. Put them in situations that they've got to put the ball in the air, you know, and put some pressure on the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, going back the last few weeks, I mean, really since the St. Ed's game because just the way the schedule fell with the teams and everything and especially in the playoffs, we haven't really been tested. We've been able to play that bully ball. Mm-hmm. And even if, you know, we don't really get much of a chunk gain on first down, it's, you know, second, 10, 9, 8 that we're still running the ball and we're still picking up a good chunk yep. of change on it. Um, and especially, we talked about it last week on here, I think as a team we have like 19 rushes or 19 negative rush yards on the season. So that's not a spot that we're used to being in. Yeah, yeah. So something like that that's going to be interesting to see if, you know, A, if they can do that, and B, how do we, you know, recover from that and keep the chance moving and get that next first down, next first down, keep the drive going. Um, and on that kind of on that note, you know, we've played Hoban what three times already. Um, and that DC has, has he been the defensive coordinator? Yep. So every year, every time. okay. So, and, and you know, they changed some things based on their personnel. Um, I mean, they, when they had Diamante train them in the first state championship game, they moved from from the linebacker to corner and said, Jaden Ballard is not going to touch the ball. And he had, what, two catches for 13 yards, something like that? Something like that. So, you know, it, that's not something they can do right now. Mm-hmm. They can't. They don't have a guy that's just going to go say, hey, Arno Banks, you're canceled out. Yeah. Someone that good. They don't have that. Um, and, you know, they do have some Division One talent, like I said, that uh, – that uh, that t- t- uh, t- what's his name? Tyson Campbell, the free safety, he's mm-hmm. got Division One looks. Um, Jadavian Crable is getting some, you know, Division One looks. Uh, you know, on on uh, probably as a defensive back, that Ricky Williams is getting a bunch of looks. Jason Martin on the D tackle. Um, the two DNs are, you know, get get some Division One looks, and you know that's just a result. And you guys know that the more successful you ha- you are. You know the the more offers rolling for the teams, but uh, so yeah, I mean the the defense is is good for Hoban. One thing I've noticed this year, they struggle with some misdirection, and I know Maslin doesn't run a whole lot of misdirection. They run that counter back, 
Mm-hmm. But I I think like watching St. Vincent St. Mary against them, you know, they their linebackers are super aggressive. So you'll see them like a team go jet sweep and ride it out and hit them with QB counter back the other way or like a draw back the other way or, or something like that. Or they, they struggle with because they're so aggressive. So I, I'd like to see Maslin do that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this Hoban defense is, is pretty damn good. So we've played them three times. Um, really the only time they changed up what they want to do was that 2018 year. You know, you never see a high school defense come out and play base cover two man, and that's mm-hmm. basically what they did. They said, hey, we're canceling your passing attack. And in the flow of the game, like talking with the coaches, I remember them telling us at halftime that they were talking at halftime, and they're like, we're running the ball down their throat. We just need to do that more. And that's and running it is what got us back in the game. Mm-hmm. Then the next two times we played them, it's been that same weak roll cover three where you got the Sam pressed up on the number two to really take away the tag screen. You got the safety rolled down backside to take away that backside hitch. And with the free safety playing, you know, 18 yards away from the box, they're playing six defenders, six blockers, mm-hmm. and basically saying, hey, we're going to – we got the dudes that we can at least – stop the bleeding keep yeah. it low um do you think that's something that they can do this year well or? i'll tell you this like so the last time you guys played was in that last state championship game yeah this mass on offensive line is way better than that mass oh they were line. totally outmatched like so so i think you kind of got to throw that out the window i think the things you can gain from previous games is situational calls I don't think you can, because the personnel changes so much, I don't think you can just say, like, hey, this worked against them then, so this works against them now. And, let, you know, there are some rules that you can pick up on, like, defensively, you know, okay, when they, when they do this, they may line up in this coverage-wise. Like, checks you can pick up. But situational decision-making, I think, is something that is a very big tendency. And the more you play a team, you get a feel for them. So I think that will have more, you know, to do with, with the game planning. But, yeah, I, I think that for Hoban this time, they're not going to be able to stop the run playing two high safeties. I just don't see that happening. Yeah. So, they're like I said, they're going to be aggressive on first down and try to get them behind the chains. And I, I think you're going to see a seven-man box. Um, I think there will be situations that you see an eight-man box and just say, like, you know, hey, they're going to – I think they're going to dare slaughter to complete passes down the field before they loosen the box up. Um, I talked to, you know, their offensive line coach and their head coach, both of them today. They have a tremendous amount of respect for, for Maslin and, you know, what Nate's done and, you know, their running attack, um, their defensive front seven, you know, Tim was raving about Pringle and, you know, the defensive line. Uh, he really likes, he, he thinks Ardell Banks probably is the most complete receiver. He likes him better than any receiver you guys have had. So, um, there's a lot of respect there. There's there's going to be no like, oh, we got them last time. I'll tell you that. But uh, no, I mean it's 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 going to be. It's the teams are so similar, and it, it's going to be one of those things. It's like you're going to need a lucky bounce here and there. You're going to need a blown coverage by someone. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. I, I talk about it earlier on on our shows and and stuff. Is you know to win a state championship. 
it takes more than talent because when you get down to the final four, six teams, everyone's got talent. You need health and you need luck. You know, fortunately, Hoban's had a lot of luck. Yeah. In games. I mean, that our first state championship, Louisville had us dead to rights. Dead to rights. A team who we were better in has dead to rights. We picked off a pass on fourth down, went in and punched it in with, you know, I think six minutes ago in the game. Huge. I mean, it, a little bit of luck is getting that extra half yard in the state championship game on that fake punt mm-hmm. against you guys. You got to have those those lucky plays or those lucky bounces that go for you. And, you know, when teams are this evenly matched, I think that's something that it's going to do. There's going to be a play in this game that you look back and like, you know, hey, that was a blown coverage or that fumble or that weird play kind of dictated the outcome. Yeah. Um, going back to the 2018 game, there was the interception that wasn't early in the game. Mm-hmm. On our first drive when we were running it down their throats and we get to third and I think medium, we throw a pass out to the flats. He's wide open and drop the ball. Yep. Uh, the Like you said, that fake punt. I do want to ask you about that. Is that a motion or a shift? Because I feel like, you know, they motioned him in. He goes under center. You have to pause a second before you snap the ball. Okay. So it's a shift, mm-hmm. but you can do that because he's moving forward. Right. Yeah, it's a shift. Um, you have to pause. So it's funny. I'm actually sitting in the stands at that game, and I'm sitting with uh, the Glen Oak coaches because I was coaching there at the time. And I just know Tim's tendency. And I'm like, this is going to be a fake. This 100% could be a fake. And they all look mm-hmm. at me like, no f- fucking way. I'm like, this is going to be a fake. I'm telling you right now. You're going to walk out there and you're going to hear this word. And I'm not going to say it because I think they still use it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but um, you're going to hear this word. And if you hear that word, it's a fake. And, and they walked up there and you heard it. And I'm like, here we go. And they ran a fake. I mean, I, I just knew when the timeout was taken mm-hmm. by Maslin. I'm like, okay, they thought about it. You know, Maslin's still, what was it? They were on their own, hoping on their own 40, 38. Yeah, right around there. They're thinking like, okay, they're not in field goal range. So we're going to we're gonna try to put it away. So, But, you know, you bring up that game. And another thing I was talking about, someone was, I think it was J.P. Simon was asking me, uh, maybe last week or whatever. He's like, well, you know, you're an offense court. What would you do against us? And I said, well, if I was playing Maslin, there's a couple things I would do. Number one, I would give you formations that you haven't seen of us on film a lot. I'd try to find formations that we can still run the things that we want to run, and we always run, but out of looks that you haven't seen. Because that's going to save me one or two drives where the kids are thinking out there. You know, the other thing I would do is give you some unbalanced or uneven formations that make the defensive backs account be accountable for the run game. Because how many times this year have your defensive backs had to be accountable for that run game? Not really. Not many, because the front seven's been so good. And I'll take you back to the 2018 state championship game. Hoban ran a formation, trips to the left, okay? Mm-hmm. Their quarterback was was uh, in the back, or it's alone, empty, and you had tight end wing to the boundary. Yep. So so they do their trips call, but now in the force player on the outside, the contained player is your corner, mm-hmm. and the guy inside of him between the wing and the tight end was your safety. 
So you had two run, two defensive backs who really were, were kind of your, your weaker tacklers there. Number 19 was over to the trip side. I can't remember his name. He was a stud. Oh, yeah. Really good player. He he was our – he's probably been our best corner in years. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember his name. playing safety either. or corner or whatever, but he's a yeah. really good player. Um, and the first time they ran that, Shane Ham, the quarterback, they just ran power to that to the wing side. Yeah. Touchdown. So that's that's a play where you're taking mass and saying, okay, we're gonna make these defensive backs come in the be accountable to the run game. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they hurt him. Then three series later, they come back to the same thing. What does Maslin do? They say, well, f- hell, we got to adjust. So now they're playing the trips. They're shorthanded on the trip side. They take number three, cross the middle of the field, which was their running back, hit him for a deep pass right in the end zone. So those are two touchdown plays because you're giving Maslin a look that they haven't seen. And that's not just Maslin. I mean, that's a lot of teams, any teams that that would happen to. But, you know, when you're as talented and you have talent over the field like that, you know, that's, that's, those are game changing plays. And you still have to execute them. Mm -hmm. But those were the two plays that made the difference in that football game because now they're, they're what, a huge lead? What was 21 point lead at half? Something like that? Something like that. Those are two first half touchdowns on, on 50 plus yard plays. So when you're looking for those formations, are you going back and like looking at mass and film and maybe trying to find something they had trouble with or just coming up with something? I, yeah, I used to do that. I used to look and say, hey, what or, or not necessarily what they had trouble with is see how they line up to certain formations. I go back and I mean, I'm assuming both teams have every single film. Probably. So you're going back and saying, you know, OK, what how do they line up to these certain formations and how can we run what we want to run against that? My when I was there, we ran power like freaking crazy. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like, "All right, which formations are beneficial to us running power?" And I would, you know, try to, and we we would do that. We would always go formations, players, plays. plays. Everyone's heard that, you yep. know, Larry Karras. So, so find the formations that you think are beneficial to you. Put it in the players' hands, who are your best players, and then develop plays off of that. So. Um, you know, that's, that's the type of thing that we would do. But the other thing I would do, I think if I were uh, a team playing Maslin is if I hit a big play, I would go tempo right off the bat, make that front seven tired, make the, make, I mean, how many guys have you guys played on the D line? Really? I mean, Chase Bond and and Marcus and and those guys don't come out. Right. Mm -mm. So make them say like, okay, we're a good offensive line and we have a good running back and you're going to need to play six, seven defensive linemen against us because you know, you hit a long pass play. Say you hit a 30 yard pass play. You're, I would be hauling ass, get to the line of scrimmage and we're handing off the very next play. And those big guys, I mean, that's tough to handle mm-hmm. because you just went all out on a play. Now you're doing a 30 yard sprint, getting back in the stance. And are you coming off the ball? The exact how, how fast as you were before, I'd be running right at. So those are the types of things, you know, but you still have to execute because, like I said, this Maslin front seven is phenomenal. I'm glad you said that because part of that tempo, you have to hit the big play. You have to, you know, yep. get out the big run. You have to hit the ball downfield. Um, so on the flip side, if you're Maslin, what are you trying to do to this Hoban team? I would load the box. I would move on the defensive line. I would I would give them some different looks. Um you know, it's it's 
when you're running power, and I'm sure Maslin gets us too, you want you want those down blocks. You want them in great position. So maybe stem the front, maybe do some things like that, you know, um, and and make Chakai Long just like I said. You know, hope is going to make Jalen saw make Chakai Long beat you. You know, hey, you're about that hype. Prove it. You know, and and for Hoban, really, this year. I think their only big offensive playmaker for them, besides Lamar Sperling, has been... Now, there's guys that can make catches, obviously, out there, but big play player has been Javion Crable. I mean, he's had he's hit big plays for them. I think he's got 11 touchdowns on the season, but um, he's really only there. It's not like years past, like in uh, 2020, where you're looking out there at receiver and they got three dudes, you know, or, or you're, you're looking over there and they're splitting out Caden Clark on the single receiver throwing fit. I mean, they don't have that right now. So I want to go back to something you said earlier about, you know, Slaughter's only real game where he had to win was Ed's. Mm-hmm. Has their quarterback been in that position this year or really ever in his career that you know of that he's had to go win them the game? Um, in West, the team he was at West Virginia, I mean, that, that was not good football. And he's still coming up to speed. I mean, this is a way different level of football. Um, as far as, yeah, I mean, there's been some games where he's had to complete passes, but a lot of them have been in the red zone. You know, they're set up by the defense. Mm-hmm. You know, there's they had some close games that they've had to uh, complete. But I don't think, like, from the get-go, he's been like, okay, I'm going to have to make plays the entire game. And I, like I said, I mean, I, that's – if I'm a defense playing either one of these teams, I'm making that quarterback make plays, prove it. You want me to go too high? Prove it. Throw it. You know, and, and and I think, you know, both teams will probably try to do that early, you know, is, is, mm-hmm. is try to test these defenses because they don't want to run against eight-man boxes the whole game. You know, I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. want to. So, And I think, you know, for, for Maslin, they've got to hit, hit Lamar Sperling, the mm-hmm. running back, like, He's a kid that doesn't get clean shots on, but he's a little undersized. I mean, he's going to Buffalo. Uh, he's committed to Buffalo, and he he's not a big kid. I mean, he's 5'8", 185 pounds. Like, he's not, you know, some big kid. So hit him. Grind on him. So these, you're going to feel these 30 carries. So only game that uh, Hoban's lost has been against Eds. Mm-hmm. We beat them this year. How much does having that common opponent and – a high-level common opponent help scouting for each team give you an idea because obviously the transitive property doesn't really work. You know, we earlier in the playoffs we um, played Canal Winchester. They didn't even get seventy yards on the ground on us. Mm. They beat Big Walnut, and Big Walnut gave us a game. Mm. Well, we let them give us a game, but you get it. Yeah, I think um, the common opponent lets you figure out personnel a little bit better because mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, how did this tackle do against this guy? You know, how did this corner, you know, that Ed's, that one Ed's corner stunk. I think you guys picked on him the whole game. Well, was Hoban able to take advantage of that? You know what I mean? So those are the types of things. You could look at personnel um, there and and see, like, you know, how to gauge, you know, is how good is this kid, how good is that kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Hoban wasn't healthy in that game. I think they were without five defensive starters. Um, and they got down early. So that was a game like, okay, Ja'Kai Long, you're going to have to make some plays, and they did. I think they scored 14 points in that game, so they, they struggled. 
it is what it is. Um, you know, you got to play with injuries. I think every game we've come into against them, we've had some mm. form or fashion of injury. Yep. You know, obviously missing your starting running back in 2018 doesn't help at all. Yeah. Offensive line comes in at 19, pretty beat up. Um, 19, you know, I, I think Diamante Trainum played in that game, but he was he really was, hobbled. He was yeah. rough. He was in rough shape. Caden Clark, did he even play? I don't know. He was he was out. Yeah, he, he was, was hurt too. So I mean, both teams. You're right. And what's what's cool about this from a fan's perspective is both teams are pretty healthy. I mean, everyone's banged up. And we mm-hmm. what is this? 14 now. Week 15. Yeah. 15. We, it, it feels yeah, 15. weird. Just it feels weird yeah. to say, and it's only a state semifinal. Yeah. So and that's a whole nother thing. I mean, I don't like having this many teams in the playoffs, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be exciting for me. It's tough because I, I obviously have a lot of ties to Hoban. I'd like to see them win. I love what Nate and his staff are doing. Would love to see them win. Someone's gonna lose. <laughs> Someone's got to lose. So uh, I wish you know. I wish it was in the state championship game, but you know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think having this game in the semis, you know, allows you to go into the state championship. The winner of this game, hmm. you know, puff in your chest and some confidence, and you know, feel really good about. Because I mean, Winton Woods got knocked off. They, they were phenomenal. Their offensive line stunk, but the rest of the team was just unbelievable. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the winner of this game probably is your state champion. Yeah. Uh, that, but, hey, that's what we thought back in 19, too. You know, yeah, and, and, you know, I have a thought on that game. I I felt like Maslin was so dominant that whole um, season offensively mm-hmm. that finally someone stopped them, and I think they were just – too used to being successful and the kids struggled with the adjustments like they um they're like okay now we've got to be creative and the kids are like well we've never run this sh-. you know what i mean yeah so i think it's it's good to be tested uh but and, and and that goes back to my point of like all right let's get um slaughter some extra reps throwing the ball during the playoffs against some good competition so he's ready if we need him to throw the ball 20 times in a game so I think that was kind of happened. I mean, obviously that that LaSalle team was was dominant mm-hmm. uh, up front, but uh, I mean, I I think like I, I've said it all season. I think Maslin's a, a team of destiny. They feel like that right now, and I don't want to drink jinx you. Um, I did on our show. I did our our preview show. I did pick Hoban as a twenty eight twenty seven winner, but that's just because I can't pick against. Those guys, but I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if Mass won this game by ten points. I wouldn't be surprised if Hoban won by ten points. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised. And there's going to be for both teams. There, you know, there's going to be plays that are like, man, we just blew that during the game. You're like, hopefully that isn't you know the yeah. case. But uh, I, I think it's important for a team to get off to a hot start too, because mm-hmm. every every team in, in the last three times they've played the team that gotten off to a hot start won the game so yeah that's i mean 18 we we did get off of that hot start but we couldn't finish the drive yeah and then 19 we marched down the field couple interceptions then go back down the field get that um the long pass right yeah get that field goal right before halftime and that turned out to be the the difference in the game 10 nothing and a half no, it was uh, 17-14, and 17-14. nobody scored after that. Yeah, that's right. It yeah. was uh, We were talking about this last week. It Really, it came down to special teams because our punter, you know, he had a 
fucking cannon attached to his mm-hmm. hip. And we were just every possession we were marching you guys back and, like and five Hoban's yards. Kicker was hurt in that game. Was he? Yeah, he couldn't. He couldn't kick for shit. Remember, that's why they didn't attempt a field goal at the end uh, because it was fourth and eight from like the twenty-four yard line. I think. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a makeable field goal for historically for the kickers that they've had, and they, they went for it on fourth down. Yeah, but, and then we dialed yeah. up a blitz. Uh, I remember them talking about it before. It was we called that blitz earlier in the game. Linebacker got there, just didn't make the tackle on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he goes back to the sideline, like, call it again. I got it. Yeah. And they dial it up again, hit him. We get that first down and game, blouses. Felt like Team of Destiny that year, but, uh, you know, it's. Yeah. But it's, it's a big one. I, I hope, hopefully the weather's nice. I wish they didn't put it on Spectrum mm-hmm. so you'd have 16,000 people there, 17,000 people there, but, you know, hey. OHSA's got to get that money. Got to get that money. Yeah. <laughs> so, coming down the home stretch here, we got one question. We usually do the Q&A at the end mm-hmm. that I actually wanted to ask you. Um, let me see here. All right. So, what are four things Maslin needs to do to beat Hoban on Friday? And obviously, you know, run the ball, stop the run, score more points than the – like uh, yeah, the obvious it's, shit. But. It's, um, make Hoban start drives inside their own 30. Maslin struggled this year on kickoff coverage mm-hmm. all year long. You cannot give Hoban a short field because, you know, their kicker is good and that puts less pressure on the quarterback. You know, they're going to be able to run the ball. So make Hoban start inside their own 30. Okay. Uh, the other thing I would say is no turnovers. I mean, I know you say that, but in a game like this, you you can't turn the ball over. I mean, you've had games where, you know, you've been, yeah, you turned the ball over early against Eds and you've came back and done it. But in this mm-hmm. game, I think not turning the ball over. Um, another thing I would say is, like I said earlier, win first down defensively. Win first down. Put Hoban in second and long situations. And then the other thing I would say is make Ja'Kai Long throw the ball 20 times. If which I'll say this. Whichever team's quarterback has the most passing attempts, mm-hmm. that team will be the losing team. Without a doubt in my mind. I like it. So um, get, Those are my four things. Getting flashes of uh... – I was over in the desert last year when everything happened, but I remember reading an article about after Winton Woods <clears throat> won the game and they one of their linebackers quoted, they said, if we made them have to throw the ball, we knew we won it. Yeah. So just flashes of that. I think it's the same I think it's the same thing. I mean I think the only the the, the question marks on both these teams mm-hmm. are the secondary. Like how can they and the quarterbacks. So, like, that's going to be where this game's won. Like I said, I think both teams will have success running the ball at times. I think both teams will have success stopping the runs at times. There'll be some drives where, you know, Maslin's just, boom, six yards, seven yards, five yards, four yards, and then there's going to be drives where, like, brick wall, brick wall. So, And I think that's just, you know, you're dealing with 16-, 17-year-old kids, and it's 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 not easy <laughs> to predict what's going to happen. That's how the game uh, goes. Yeah. Um, Got a couple more questions for you that we always ask our guests. But before we get to those, do you have anything you want to plug? Anything you guys are doing over at Stark yeah, Media? Yeah, uh, check out. We just did a – it actually – it'll be out night before Thanksgiving, Wednesday night. Um, we did a Stark County 
high school football fantasy draft. Everyone does their, you know, uh, all county teams and this and that. So we did something different. Uh, TJ Downing, Jeff Tyler, myself, we're at the Hall of Fame. Um, we did a fantasy draft of all the players. I will tell you that I uh, got the first week. We did it by position. So we, like, picked out of a cup. And then, okay, we're going to do the linebackers. Dorian Pringle is the best player in the county. And we made Will Butler our our player of the year mm-hmm. for for that um, for what he's done on both sides of the ball. But I do believe talent-wise, it doesn't mean he's the most talented player in the county. Yeah. Uh, Dorian Pringle is the most talented player in the county. But um, So we did that. Check us out on the Stark Media Team YouTube channel. And then uh, coming up, State Championship Week. We're going to be calling uh, those games on 99.7 FM. Um, we will have the game on YouTube. Uh, if you don't want to li- listen to Ray Jeske on uh, 990 and, you know, the signal fall out for you, if you're, you know, kind of not in Masson area, check us out on the YouTube channel. We will have the game. It's going to be a little different. Um, we will have the play-by-play, but it's it's going to be, like, kind of more stripped down, like Manning cast type thing. So we'll have audio of the game, and, you know, we'll analyze stuff that's going on and stuff like that. So. Awesome. So, yeah, go check out Stark Media. Um, awesome stuff. Like your show on there, the uh, football, the yeah, high school football yeah. rewind. Um, a lot of, lot more insightful film breakdown and conversation than you get from this show because we open the oh, say we, we have no idea what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> you guys do a good job. Uh, appreciate it. So, a couple questions for you. We ask this for every guest. They're hard hitting stuff, so I hope All you're right. ready. So, first question. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Absolutely. My man. Absolutely. I uh, The vast majority have said no, and I just had to be a contrarian here's, for the sake of it on here. Here's my here's my reasoning on that. Mm-hmm. When you go get a sub sandwich from Subway. Exactly. Thank it, you. Is it cut all the way through? No, it's not. It's folded also. Thank you. Finally, someone on my side. There Holy shit. Hot dog's a sandwich. Number two. Is a Pop-Tart a ravioli? I'm going to say no, because ravioli is pasta, and it's not necessarily a pastry. Okay. So I'm going to say no. And right. it's it's like, it's more dessert. Ravioli, like, I don't know, I guess you could have dessert raviolis or breakfast, but I'm saying no. No? No. I mean, that's another one. Everybody says no, so I got to die on the hill that it absolutely is. <laughs> um, and that's been the pretty much defining thing most people have come up with, the, the pastry versus the pasta. Gotcha. So, yeah, man. Uh, not not T Rex versus three thousand cats. Who would win that one? That's not that's a popular argument. Yeah. See, we haven't had a, a chance to do this in a while, uh, just because we haven't <laughs> had many guests lately. Yeah. I did see one on Jordan t- or LeBron. I mean, that, uh, that's a- <laughs> th- that one's been done to death. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, I saw this one on Twitter today. Two gorillas, a hundred people. Who wins, and how long does it take? I mean, you'd think a hundred people would have the ingenuity to yeah. beat gorillas, but like, are you talking 100 people from Alliance? I don't know if they're smart enough to do that. Or, you know, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I'm going to say prob- probably 100 people. Yeah? Yeah. I, I'm taking the gorillas, man. It's You got, like, six. In my head, you say gorilla. I'm picturing, like, a couple silverbacks. Yeah. You got a, just a couple 600-pound muscle monsters. I, I'm not taking yeah. much over that. I mean, is it hand-to-hand combat, like, yeah, I mean, you can't give the people, like, guns or anything. Well, that, that's that's kind of cheating. Their, oh, well, yeah, not guns, but, you know, you'd think, like, all right, you you 
go up from behind them. You're going to get your arm bit off. You're going to get your arm bit off. But mm-hmm. if we can get enough people behind them and get those arms. That's true. Give me like 30 to 40 crackheads that are just also like, you know, <laughs> adrenaline out their minds and yeah. they're not going to feel anything. They're the first wave. Hold hold the gorillas down for like the other 60 people. We coordinate this. Good to go. Yeah. The only wild card in that is how well do the crackheads actually like listen and follow yeah. the direction, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, no, I, but you're right. A hot, hot dog is definitely a sandwich. Thank you. Cause I mean, you look at like a, a sub sandwich or a, yeah. a meatball sub sandwich yeah. from sub. It's the same thing. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. You're just getting a little more high quality meat, you know, not elbows and assholes and more same or less. Thing. Thank you, my man. Yep. This is why we have you on. <laughs> well, good luck to your good luck to your Tigers. I'm I'm I'll be disappointed no matter what the outcome is, and I'll be happy no matter what the outcome <laughs> is because I'd love to see. You know, obviously, does Hoban need another state championship? No, probably not. But um, I'd love to see Nate get one. He deserves it. I mean, it's been a historic year already for him. Mm-hmm. You know what he's done. You know, people. You know, people were would say, oh, you know, well, he beat Paul Brown's record. It's not that many games. That's not the point. The point is he was successful enough here to be there that long mm-hmm. to do it. I mean, that's, that's, what's his win percentage, like 80, 82%? I think it's like 81-21. After so, a four and six yeah. first season. I mean, that's it's pretty impressive. What he's done um, is phenomenal. His coaching staff's awesome. What they do development in the offseason has made the difference, like – I, t- I think I told to you guys before, programs like Hoban and Maslin now, you look at them, their juniors look like everybody else's seniors. Their sophomores look like everyone else's juniors. And that's the weight room, and that's the development, and that's why both programs are so good. Yeah, you go to the liftathons, the offseason stuff, you know, that we do, and it's you're, it, it's a high school team, you're expecting kids, mm-hmm. and it's a bunch of grown-ass men putting up 405 for reps on the squat. Yep, exactly. So. Yeah, um, you're in a much better spot than I am because I'm hoping for one outcome. Yeah. And if that doesn't happen, it's uh, going to be a – it's not just going to be a bad day. It's going to be a bad month. I get it, man. I get it. I mean, it's – it's you guys are due, right? You're due. We've been saying that, man. You do We've things the right way that. for long enough, and eventually the luck's going to come with it. Yep. Ball's got to bounce right for us one time. Yeah. So, so with that uh, – Drew, thanks for being on, man. Really yep. appreciate you. Appreciate you, Everybody, go check out Stark Media and all the stuff Drew's doing. Like we said, it's phenomenal stuff, so yeah, check them out. That. and Go Tigers. I won't say it because the Hoban coaches will replay it on the, on the, on the TV in the uh, coach's office, but I wish you guys luck, too. Appreciate <laughs> it. All right, now to get into a little film room action. We start off. Looking at the late game from the man himself. Can I guess, damn, Trell's highlights? Yeah. <laughs> because they never start before the snap. That too. Um, I mean, he had, what, 170-some rush yards this game, tied the record for Travis McGuire's uh, single-season rush yards at 1,976, I think. I wrote it down earlier. That's the only reason it might be in my head. Could be totally off base, but it's like 1,900-something. Okay. So, yet to have a single game under 100 rush yards. Just been an absolute workhorse for us. So, that's why. Might as well keep watching.
Yeah, you could see Lake playing with that five-man front. They were just stacking the box, leaving one, two guys out on our receivers all night. It was a game for it. There's our little trips. G-Rap the other way. Picked up a lot of yards on that bad boy. <laughs> Not often you get to see a running back try to hit the hole, pirouette out of it, and hit backside off tackle. Not many this week, true. so, I mean, worth watching through twice, huh? Yeah, sure. Any insights? I mean, he had a lot more runs than this. Yeah. Um, I think he did a good job of, you know, just taking yards when they were there. Not too many negative plays. He's able to bust one or two, but in general, they, they had him pretty bottled up. Probably, you know, three, four, five yards of carry rather than a bunch of 15s, 20s. But, I mean, if there was a game for it, this would be it. Yeah, he's he's a really patient runner, and I think it works for him, uh, especially when our guards are having are getting there late. <laughs> but there was a few times where it was like third and short, fourth and short. Uh, I think maybe like that very first time, the very first drive. Was he the one that we tried running it in with? I can't remember. I figured it would have been. See. I feel like Trell, he's just, he's a really patient runner. He's able to hit the hole when it's there, and he's not afraid to lower his shoulder. But I think there was one play where it's like we needed a yard, and he was like waiting for that hole, and it just never came. Yeah. And I think that's where I like Pringle's approach of if there's not a hole, I'm just going to make one because you only need one yard. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to put my head down and get us a yard real quick. And uh, different running styles, but I think it pairs well. Because when you do need that one yard, two yards, you can give it to Pringle. And it's pretty much guaranteed that it's it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Pringle had a hell of a, hell of a game, offense and defense, just all over the field. Which is pretty much his standard at this point. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because next man up got some Pringle highlights. You can see here just, what's that, a double tight end, double fullback. Right, just absolute. They're loading the box. This is football in a phone booth. Fourth and one, one and a quarter. Basically, student body right. And ain't getting nothing going. Yeah, forced fumble would have been a fourth down stop anyway. A different play, but you know, squares him up and makes a tackle. See a little bit of a wind effect in the camera here. Unless the camera operator was keeping himself warm the same way the rest of the fans were. Yeah, he's so instinctive. He gets off blocks really well. Here, I love this play. This little play action, trying to sneak. Uh... So we're using that, you know, what we talked about. A couple episodes ago, the flow of the backfield, where you're using the guy who's not getting the ball as a blocker. And you're just trying to sneak trail out into the flat, hoping the defense bites up on the run action. And ain't nothing there. And Pringle's real only responsibility on this play is pass pro. But 
goes up in the hole, no one to block. See slider scramble, it's open. Receiving touchdown. Yeah, he had a great game, and I think there's a lot more highlights that could be on here from him. But uh, just an amazing, an amazing game for you know somebody that lives in the trenches like this, going both ways. So mm-hmm. this this play, I think, might be his best one on the highlight. Just slicing under the uh, lead block by I don't know if it was the fullback or the pulling guard, but slicing under that. And just getting, you know, wrapping up on the running back and making a tackle however you need to. Let the quarterback know you're there. Yeah, sorry, number seven. You're not going to block him like that. Nope. Just kind of throw a shoulder at him. That's not happening. slaughter too getting the ball off like that yeah i mean it's you know down in the uh low red zone trying to scramble make a play nothing's there your first read's not there yeah when you draw it up draw that up in the open field it's kind of a one two you got banks running to go but you don't have any room to run to go it's more like just a red zone fade that's covered up and trying to make a play if you see somebody in the orange with an eligible number like i can throw you here you go Moving more to the defensive side of the ball now. That's what's nice about Pringles. You get a little bit of both. Some big Mike highlights. Here, obviously, first play they have the ball. You can tell these guys don't go under center much. You can tell they don't go up against big Mike very much. Had that center rattle all game. Case in point. Whenever the quarterback's got to jump to get the snap. You're in a bad spot. Hey, I mean, the first, like, two were, I think that was the first drive right there, wasn't it? Yeah. The first two went over his head, or just bad snaps in general. And then the third one was that sack. Yep. That one went clean over the quarterback's head. Holds the point, man. And that's a much better defensive line play than that. Sort of putting him on his ass and playing like Aaron Donald. Just swallowed up. It's a hard man to block right there. This play, first time I watched it through while I was recording it, I thought it was a screen. Just because of how much orange ends up in the backfield. But no, it's just our defensive front being a defensive front. Yeah, I mean you see Big Mike just run a run a guy over. So, with that, we will turn the page on to next week. Look at uh, some Hoban players, try and get a feel for the team, and you know, get an idea of what we're coming up against. This, um, got Sperling's highlights against Willoughby South. Only experience we have against them. I think we scrimmaged them a couple times. I know we did my senior year when Kareem Hunt, you might have heard of him, was on their team. Check with me action. 
around that back just so you can watch the guy down low on the red when they look to the sideline gives a little smash call and it's not smash so obviously the guy in the red ain't the signal caller. He's the only one that gave a signal too. Or also good He's the only one that gives a, I mean, I was kind of assuming somebody else had their hands, like, lower. I guess that's possible. Giving it. But, hey, if these are only signal calling and they call something else, make it look like Smash. That's just why they're so good. So, little G-Rap bounces it. Nobody there to tackle. Uh, just same signal from the guy in the red. Same play, just to the left side this time. Obviously, kind of lived off that play a little bit. Spread them out, spread them up the middle. Here, a little bit of look at their Maryland eye they love to run. Pretty much the only play they ever run out of this is, uh, I call it Power F. Basically, first fullback gets a kick out on the uh, end man. Second fullback leads up like the pulling guard would on Power. That way, you don't have to pull anybody, worry about run throughs on the offensive line. Everybody just down blocks. Washes defense down. It's a good play. Good short yard play. Just that spread fullback in the three-point stance. Just a very aesthetically pleasing look. And you can't convince me otherwise. Yeah. But, like Uncle Joe said when we had him on, you know, you see a guy doing that that close to the line, he ain't doing much. He's probably getting vertical enough to get a good angle on the kickout block, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, that was a four-point stance in Uncle Joe's situation, but yeah. Yeah, so in case you didn't know, uh, this running back's pretty good. Here, a little bit of diamond formation in the pistol. Basically the same play they run from the Maryland eye. Kick out the end. Lead the second guy up and through. Running down blocks. That one, that same G wrap, just kind of turns into a trap play just based on how the line slants inside. His linebacker just pops out to the end, but hey. So you can see there, pretty explosive, fast in the open field, hard to bring down. Next up, we got the season highlights of their quarterback. More of this, please. <laughs> I really hope teams start using, more teams start using drones to get their uh, to get their all twenty two film. 
because that's just a tremendous angle. Here you can see, you know, less on the quarterback himself, more of the uh, offensive general, just a lot of four birds, switch birds, that kind of thing. They don't run too awfully much. Um, they had some flood stuff, a little bit of smash, every team on smash, but, you know, first year quarterback in their system, comes from West Virginia, like uh, Drew said, not really, not even the same level of competition football-wise down there as we have here. So I'm going to keep it a little bit easier. It's going to look a lot like, you know, Maslin did with uh, Slaughter's first year behind center. Keep it easy on the quarterback and lean on the run game. That being said, he can still make some throws because those shots up the seams getting on the linebacker's head are not easy. Yeah, man, I know these are the highlights, but looks better here than kind of what I expected. I know that they don't throw the ball that much. He hasn't been super productive for him this year, but it looks like he can make the throws, or at least, you know, one out of ten, he can make the throws, but... So definitely has the potential to beat you over the top. He can make some good throws, but they don't do it too much. That's not the main focus of their offense, that's for sure. They had a little bit of running back out of the backfield, just running mesh rail, good man beater with the potential, you know, shot play potential downfield with the running back running. It's less of a wheel. It's more your coaching point on that is try and get vertical quicker than you would a wheel because that you're faking the swing route and turn it up. But a lot of, I mean, a lot of plays you see on this at least stuck out to me where dude's just wide open streaking down the field. And he can hit him in stride, but how much are you counting on busting coverage in your playbook? some legs on too you know he'll he's not just going to stand back there take his drop and pat the ball he's going to look look to run the play's not there he's going to scramble got to be got to be sticking in the coverage or zone match stuff you uh you know when you match a receiver you better stay on him because if our defensive front can't get home you can do what he did right there Yeah, made a couple good throws while scrambling there, keeping his eyes downfield. Uh, he does throw into coverage a little bit. And I also think he hangs the ball out a little bit too much, maybe. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see like a full game's worth of throws from him, not just the highlights. Yeah. Because I want to see if there's a lot of like, contested passes. Um if there are some interceptions in there. Because it's nice when the receiver is open deep. You can put a little extra air on it like that, but some of them I thought kind of floated on them a little bit. 
Nice little play there. But yeah, I mean, their scheme is getting receivers open down the field for sure. But quarterbacks putting it where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. I think when they're not running their straight drop back stuff, they do a really good job of marrying their uh, their pass or their run game with the play action game. You know, you see uh, a lot of these. It's like a play action toss or off of a uh, run up the middle and quarterback boots out. Get him on the move. He looks pretty comfortable throwing on the run. So look for a lot of boot action rollouts. Probably a lot of too. Yeah, hopefully we don't give him the chance. Yeah, we've been pretty good at least schematically handling running quarterbacks. You know, when you base out of drop eight coverage, it's easy to just tell one of your linebackers, hey, you're spying the quarterback. Next up, Drew Holt. It's his cell phone number if you want to keep him up Thursday night. If you want to keep them up Thursday night. <laughs> Tenacity. A lot of plays you watch him, you know, he finishes it with the guy he's blocking on the ground and he's over top of him. And that's just soul sucking as a defender. You know, even if you're not really, if your block's not responsible for springing a run or if it's a tackle for loss, someone else missed an assignment or something. But if you finish with that defender and his ass is on the ground and you're just laying on him, he knows that's going to be a long night. Number 50 for them has a very quick get-off. And when I say that, I mean he is timing up the snap. (laughs) I noticed that earlier on the quarterback's highlights, I think. But I just saw it on that one, too, where he just... So, number 50, who are we looking at? I've mostly seen him playing right tackle. He, uh... He likes doing that 
you know, it's the inside look that counts, right, Hank? So, yep. um, he he gets going probably a little bit before the snap. Times it up really well. Let's say it that way. Expect their front is a strength of their team. I mean, a pretty good power run team. A lot of different concepts in there: power counter, inside zone, power F, uh, a little bit of buck sweep action too on the jet action stuff. Um, a lot of stuff to scheme against, and even better players execute with. Yeah, and you can probably expect that they'll have a few extra things this week as well. Let's keep moving a little bit of their. Nose tackle, probably one of the best players on defense. Here against the dollar store brand, San Francisco 49ers. You got the speed man, you want to disrupt the screen as a defensive lineman. Don't backtrack and retrace, get in the quarterback's face, make that throw even harder. Stuffs the quarterback sneak. Yeah. Following play gets in there. Ends the drive himself. Yeah, I wonder if you can mix in a quick count here and there on those defensive linemen that like to hang out on their knees right before the snap. Yeah. A little quick on action in. It's hard to go on two with the clap, but maybe slaughter back there can fake that clap a time or two. And Do the old fake check with me. Doesn't get easier than that. Yeah, a couple of his interceptions. It's a lollipop after he just gets beat bad. By yeah, because that's, that's not a highlight. Double pass. Happened on that first play, too. He kind of jumped it at the wrong time. Fortunately for him, it was a horrible throw. Receivers just streaking down the field. Not many places he can go. He flipped his hips too early. It's a little bit of spot time at running back as well. Some offensive plays. Kid's an athlete. Kid's got speed. End around action. Yikes. Playmaker's ball in space. Oh, was that St. V? Yeah. 
So far, I I like him on offense a lot more than on defense. But he looks, I mean, he looks okay on defense. But oh, yeah. there, just right place, right time. Scoop the ball, try and make play. He's really aggressive on defense. I mean, you have to be able to hit him with one or two double moves because he's been jumping everything so far. Yeah, I mean, they're just going against not good competition there. Not to take anything away from him, yeah. but the competition there was just horrible. Um, but, I mean, that's his regular season. That's the entirety of his regular season highlights. Yeah. One thing while I was watching that, and I'm like, that's not a lot for that. But then you get in your own head and think, like, oh, maybe the ball's just not going his way too often. You know, he's got a couple faces. He is the, uh, he's the better of the two corners. So I think you could go the other way. Uh, I mean, I, I think you could attack him. I, that's not anything I'd be afraid of. If he had, like, a lot of size to go with it, then I think that, all right, you know, but he's not that big of a guy either. So I think you could hit him with a double move or two. He's he's just jumps it so aggressive, which, you know, it's kind of like that risk-reward thing. You know, you jump enough of them, you're going to have some highlights, yeah. but you're going to have some lowlights also. So. Yeah, so, I mean, it's good to be aggressive if you're not getting burnt, but I think you could burn him a time or two. Yeah. So we got, a, got an idea what they look like. With that, we'll uh, get back into the, you know, talk about him a little bit, preview him, and get out of film room, huh? All right, so we talked a little bit of Hoban with Drew earlier. Uh, got to check him out on film, so may as well finish out the preview of them. Take a look at the schedule real quick. You know, first three games of their season, they didn't even get to play any Ohio teams, a Canadian, a Pennsylvania, and a New York team, which uh, Drew was actually high on a couple of them, uh, which they beat them pretty handily. Really, they're you look down their schedule, they got a couple games where the lowest they scored was 28 points. Then through the playoffs, they had Willoughby South beat them 57-14, Barberton uh, 41-13, rematch with St. V 47-7, and then just most recently beat a 13-1 Hudson 41-7. Only loss on the season is against St. Ed's 41-20, but they were missing, you know, uh, five of the defensive starters haven't really been healthy all year until coming down this playoff stretch. So, you know, they're, they're a good team, man. It's, it's Hoban. It, they are what they are and what they are is really strong up front, both sides of the ball, really good defense, really 
solid offense, great running game, smart coaches. I know you and I talked about that off air, just really know how to dial it up against the every team they play. So you have any uh, quick thoughts before we get into their roster? No, I went back and watched the highlights of the Eds game and the playoffs St. V game. And, I mean, yeah, they have a dominant run game. Uh, it's what they're really good at. You know, their running back is really good. Um, the defense, it looked like they got... They did give up some runs. I know, like, obviously that's how Ed's beat them. That's how Ed's beat everyone. But mm-hmm. Ed's had a lot of success with the quarterback run. Um St. V, I know they only put up seven points, so you said. Yeah. Uh, but even then, like, I know it's the highlights, but St. V was able to break off a couple decent runs against them. So I think they might not be as super stout in the front seven like we've seen in the past. Um, some of their secondary guys, like, aren't huge. You know, kind of just reference that a little bit, but... Just all in all, a really good team, as expected, every single year. Um, And I think we kind of hit on everything else. But just really what I took away from those two games that I watched was Ed's had some good success running against them. I mean, it was a closer game than the score probably said Mm -hmm. after watching it. And uh, you have that St. V one. I mean, I don't think St. V's is really that great, but... You know they're able to get a couple chunks run, couple chunk runs. So uh, hopefully that bodes well for us in our running game, because I think if we're able to run the ball, then you know we we have a pretty good chance against anyone. So yep. uh, you know hopefully that you know keeps going. But I mean we can jump jump into their roster real quick. Yeah, let's check them out. Drew went over a couple guys, gave us his thoughts on them. But you know it's still good to get the measurables, size them up, mm-hmm. and check them out. Yeah, so that offensive line, uh, really big, really good offensive line. Uh, what order that they're lined up in can change, but uh, the way that it's it's listed on paper, they go six five three ninety five. Big, ups. A real big guy there. Six three three twenty, six foot two sixty, six one two eighty five, and six five two ninety. So. Really big offensive line. Um, that right tackle, number fifty, the one we kind of we we didn't show f- his highlights, but we talked about him on film a little bit. Uh, he's got offers from Kentucky, Michigan State, Pitt, the likes of that. Um, you know, we talked about that right guard, or on paper he's a right guard. He, he moved around for him a little bit this year. Uh, really good finisher. We saw that he loves. He's really uh, he's got that tenacity to him. Uh, that left tackle on paper six five three ninety five. He's he's a big boy, big, big boy. He's a big boy, but uh, he he is kind of athletic for his size. He can move a little bit. Um, Listen, if you're walking around at four bills, then like walking is at an athletic move. Yeah. So I mean that that's the heart of their team right there. Really strong offensive line, and uh, you know Lamar Sperling you know, could be Mister Ohio. Probably should be. Um. Really good running back. He's got everything you want. You know, he does not go down easy. He's got good vision. He can break them off. 
just a really good all-around running back. And uh, the quarterback, we, we showed his highlights, talked about him a little bit. He's listed at 6'2", 195. Sperling's listed at 5'10", 190. That's uh, one thing that you weren't here for and Drew talked about is nobody really gets a good shot, like a good solid shot on Sperling in the open field. Yeah. I guess he's got that, like, at point of contact shiftiness where you two can swear up, but he's going to make you miss a little bit. And yeah. You're going to have to get an arm on, and if you can get – you know, any sort of contact, you be you better be able to wrap them up and bring them down. Yeah, the good ones are really good at avoiding just the square contact. You know, just you know, for the longevity, you know, it's still a tackle, but you're not getting those huge impacts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know, you break off a few tackles that way. You know, if they don't wrap up correctly, if they think they can just throw a shoulder into you and they don't hit as square as they thought they're going to, you bust it off for another 10, 20, 50 yards after that. So that's what the good ones do. Uh, at receiver. They have uh, Jay Crable. He's 6'2", 210. Big boy. Uh, and then they go 5'10", 150, 6'5", 165, and 5'9", 140 after that as well. But, yeah, I mean, Crable, he's their big receiver. Wouldn't be surprised if they tried to get a matchup with mm-hmm. him uh, once or twice against us. It seems like the last couple of teams we've played have been trying to get those one-on-ones against uh some of our shorter defenders, mm-hmm. but we've held up quite well against them. I mean, yeah. outside of like one, I mean, one jump ball, maybe like maybe a two I'm trying to remember. I mean, teams have been trying it yeah. I and remember they have like not been trying to pick on it and but... it hasn't been working for them. But with that, I would expect them to, to try to do it. Jake Crabble is a good athlete. Uh, six, two, two, ten. Like I said, uh, he can jump pretty high. And it uh, looks like he's really found a home at not quarterback. Yeah, it's good they finally he finally got moved to a more natural position that doesn't include throwing the football. Uh, and then let's at fullback five eleven two oh five. That's the number twenty four you're talking about. Yep. They haven't listed at two oh five. He didn't look quite that big on film. Uh, he did look like he was adamant to hit people. Mm-hmm. So it, it made up for it. Like I was going to comment on his size, but then I saw him going out there and hitting people. And it's like, oh, well, hey, you're just, still not the biggest guy on the field. But if you hit people that hard, it's doesn't really. It's probably going to be a decent block. Yeah. yeah. So even against like good players, if you throw your whole body at him like that square, like that's a decent block. So, hey, you know, the dark jerseys are slimming. Yeah. Unless you're number uh, 74. <laughs> Uh, and you know, they run a bunch of different formations and they'll move people around also. And I would expect even more of that this week because Hoban always seems to have something a little bit different when they play us. So, uh, that's their offense on paper. So they have a huge offense line, really good running back, got uh, some athleticism with the receivers, you know, a little bit of height, but it's all about the run game with them. Yep. Better go to stop the run. What do we got on defense? All right, if we go to their defense, up front they go six foot two fifty, five eleven two ninety five, six foot two fifty five, and then they got uh, Drake Crable listed there as a defensive end, also at six foot two ten. All over the field, not taking snaps. Yeah, it's almost like his more natural position was almost anywhere else. He probably could have done that here. So I think it's uh, with their nose tackle. 
He's the is he the one that fifty two? Yeah, he's the he's one, the one that we showed the, showed the highlights of. of. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I mean, really good player. He's been playing for them for a couple of years now. Um, he was he was real big a couple of years ago as a sophomore. Yeah, if you wanna if uh, you're feeling a little masochistic and want to go back and you know torture yourself and watch the 2020 game, he was living in the backfield all night as a sophomore, just outright torturing us. Yeah. Uh, if we move on to their linebacking core, 5'9", 180, 6'1", two juniors and a sophomore. So not just huge, overly sized guys there. Uh, I imagine that they're they're all pretty athletic. They run well, probably read really well. Is it real mm-hmm. fundamental guys? Um, a little young, two juniors and a sophomore, uh, especially that sophomore. I mean, shows a lot of potential, but he's still a sophomore. Yeah. Hoping that just this whole combination just meshes well to us being able to run on them. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, I mean, like we've said, if, if you can run on him, that's a really good sign. Uh, if you run on anybody, that's a really <laughs> good sign. So uh, hopefully that all of that combines into us being able to run the ball. Their safeties, uh, number one, Tyson Campbell, 5'11", 170. He's the best person in their secondary. He's got offers from Michigan, Kentucky, uh, the likes of those. Fast twitchy, really good player. His dad was a captain at Ohio State back in the day, too. Drew dropped that little piece of knowledge. Oh, nice. Uh, Freddie Lennox's dad was the Great Lakes Midwest Player of the Year. All of the lakes? He was like Midwest America's (laughs) Player of the Year, something like that, yeah. Damn. On his way to Ohio State before I ended up going to Cincinnati. Because you know how that kind of stuff goes. You know, go to one, supposed to go to one school. Yeah. That's how she goes. Um, That was a little bit before our time. A wee bit. I mean, a player on our team's dad. Yeah. But it wasn't like, it really wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Early 2000s? Ooh. Early 2000s? I think so. Fuck, are we that old? Well, he played with JP at Cincinnati. Fuck, we are that old. Yeah. And that was early, mid-2000s, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are that old now. We are pretty old. Uh, They're corners. You know, we talked about Xavier Williams. He's 5'8", 150. As a junior, plays both ways. Uh, they get the ball in his hands. The other one, 5'9", 145 as a sophomore. So... Not a whole lot of size on the outside for them, so I think we have chances to get matchups of our own. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how you can draw it up is going to be interesting to see if they just kind of run a static uh, defensive backfield, like regular coverage like they would against anybody else. If they try to maybe follow Banks with, um, I would guess, Xavier Williams out of their corners, or even if they take Campbell and pull him from his safety spot to spy Banks. Um, I mean, either way, I mean, their tallest guy is six one. Uh, their other safety, who's not their best player, so I would guess if they were to spy him, it's going to be their better corner or better safety. That makes yeah. sense, right? But uh, or if they just go out there and run their normal defense, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But I think we can find ways to move guys around. We've been doing that all year, so that's nothing new for us. Um, I think it would just be interesting if the defense is also moving guys because that just adds one more element to it. But I think there's plenty of advantages if you can get the defense to move their guys out of position. So 
maybe a little bit less if they're just flopping corners. But if they start yeah. moving anything else, then you know there's ways to take advantage of it. So uh, their secondary isn't huge, but I mean, like the rest of their team, they're going to be fundamental and play sound football. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting you're talking about you know moving guys around, following guys. You look back at the 2019 game when we had Wilson Lamp and Ballard out yep. wide, and our third receiver was uh, Pedro. You know, he he was a starting high school receiver, like nothing bad about him. He did his job. He did what he needed to do, but he wasn't Lamp or Ballard to, you know, uh, West Virginia power and Ohio five, State. Yeah. yeah, power five guys. And that year we moved around Ballard and Lamp quite a bit. They would – you know, uh, split time. One guy's an X, one guy's a Z. Then the next series they flip, and then a lot of times we would put them both on the same side of the field, leaving Pedro split out by himself on the other side. And when we did shit like that against Hoban, they didn't really change their defense much. They stayed in that basically a, a weak rotation cover three, where you got you know, the backside corner he's playing off and you got the safety rotated down into the alley and that's fine taking away the quick hitch RPOs or any kind of um, backside alley runs. But when you flip your two uh, high caliber receivers to one side and you're still running that same defense, you basically got bracket coverage on an average high school receiver, which props to you, you're shutting down a white receiver out wide, good job. But you're leaving Wilson Lamp and Ballard on the other side to go do their thing. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if we move guys around, if they have any response to that. Like Drew said, it's been the same D.C. there for years since uh, pretty much their head coach, Tyrell, got there. Uh, he, you know, he's the same guy that in 18 said, well, we're running cover two man against you and we're not letting you, you know, beat us downfield on the pass. 19, it was that same cover three. 20, that cover three. And a little bit of kind of fucked up quarters when we went toward nub trip stuff because that's the only thing we could pass out of. But otherwise, the same playbook against our base offense. So are they going to move guys around? Are they going to trail Banks? I don't know. Um, They got a lot of respect for him over there. But I think you got to respect our other receivers too. You know, Ed's... Ended up coming down the stretch of that game, double-covered Banks, and that's all well and good until you got – I'm blanking on his name. Tolls. Tolls, thank you so much. Tolls out wide the other side, running a hitch and go and catching the game winning tutter against him. So we got got more dudes than Banks, and we got the ability to move them around. So you move them around, they adjust, then – you find another matchup. If they don't, then there's your matchup right there. Yeah, I mean, we move our guys around so well that it shouldn't be an issue for us to do that. Um, I mean, obviously, Banks is our guy, but it works because everyone else is able to play their part. Mm -hmm. So we can go two by two and run whatever we want. It doesn't have to be a Banks thing. Um, And I think that makes defense you know, have to respect it. So I don't know what they're going to do. I don't try to guess what Hoban's going to do against us because there's no, (laughs) who am I to guess what they're going to do? It's so, but 
uh, I think there are options there, but it's always that, you know, that cat and mouse game, you know, what are they going to do against us? Well, what if they don't do anything against us? Then what, you know, where, where do we like our matchups? What do we like against their secondary? Um, or how can we light in the box? Or if they are following, then, then what? So, uh, it's one of those things where you have to adjust on the fly and, uh, you know, hopefully everyone's prepared for it. All of the receivers have to step up. I mean, I could see a scenario where we only have one wide receiver the whole game, and we just pound the rock and take one-on-one shots. I could see, oh, I could see a scenario <laughs> where we go five wide. So, I mean, I think we have the capability of doing either one. Mm-hmm. So everyone just has to be prepared all game long because you don't know what you're going to get. We're not going to know what Hoban does until they do it. No. So we got to be ready for all of it. <laughs> if we go to that double back package – and just run the ball down their throats all game. Just taking one-on-one shots here and there. Oh, I'm. You will not hear the end of it from me up in the stands in the best way possible. <laughs> I if we can run it. Down I'm fine. Their I'm like fine that, with it too. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. If if we go with the Fitch game plan and just run power 85 times down their throat and it works and they can't stop it. Oh, stick to that because I know they haven't had a game like that before. Like in in their history since they've become what they are. If we start just pounding the rock right down their throats and they can't stop it, they're going to be shitting themselves on the sideline. Yeah. Because I don't think... And obviously you don't go away from it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think they have... You know, they would know what to do in that situation because they're not a team... It's one of those things where if you're just getting beat up front, you can try to scheme it up. But if your kids are just getting beat, you're getting beat. There's not much you can do about it. You know, just put your hands on your hips and... Damn, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, you know it sucks just getting five yards thrown at you every play. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't expect that to happen. But no. you know, if we can just line up, hit them in the mouth, take five yards at a time, let's do it. Because they're not a team that you know that we've we've played teams before that during the week during game planning they kind of you know hand up like we can't match up with these guys how we want to. So they scrap their whole defense, come out with whatever bullshit they got and then we have to figure out how to run against it they're going to be a team that whatever adjustments they make are going to fit within their system and it's going to you know work into their base defensive structure somehow and they're going to come out and run a 6-1 against us oh god they run a 6 <laughs> I don't try to guess what Hoban's going to do you're just going to get burnt if you guess what they're going to do yeah, I'm not. I'm not sitting here guessing that you know they're not going to come out and. I'm not saying they're going to come out and run a six-one or like a whatever. I'm saying they probably think they're good enough, rightfully so, to not have to scrap the entire defense, draw something new up on the whiteboard Sunday. Hopefully, teach it to the kids within a week of you know game prep, and then yep. all right, let's go. Uh, let's go. Uh, you know, mitigate the bleeding. I yeah. doubt that's going to be. I doubt that's Hoban's game plan this week. Yes, I would also probably guess that they've been game planning for this for more than one week. I would imagine so. They probably got a couple weeks of Maslin prepping already. Not that I doubt we haven't been doing that either. You know, cat and mouse, cat and mouse game. Got uh, got a few. I would I would imagine a few weeks of game prep under our belts. Whole seasons worth of game film to watch. Three different games where we played them to watch as well you know the trouble with that is personnel so different every year it 
you got to take everything with a grain of salt, but you can still get an idea. Drew said it. You can watch that stuff and get an idea of tendencies and like what do you like to do in certain uh, scenarios. You know, third and short, are you bringing the heat? Are you playing back in coverage? Do you like to run the ball? Do you like to take shots on second and short? Stuff like that. So, yeah, defensively, I, like you said, not going to try and sit back and guess what they're going to do, but I think they have enough talent that they don't have to tear it down to throw some funky funk bullshit at us. Yeah. Offensively, their game is pretty much what RMO has been to. Pound the rock, take a couple deep shots. Difference there is I'd like us matched up a lot more if both quarterbacks have to throw the ball. You know, if they can stop if they can stop our run game and they're saying, all right, too, we're putting the ball in your hands, you're gonna have to beat us. He beat Eds. He's he's been in that spot before against high level competition. I think he can mm-hmm. do it. Their quarterback, what's he played in West Virginia? And then Eds obviously couldn't get the job done. Um every other team on their schedule is a literal who. Who the fuck have they played outside of Eds? So, yeah, I think our passing game is definitely more evolved, has more layers to it than Hoban's. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of things that we've done throughout the year that we maybe gotten away from. We have a whole lot there to work with if we want to. We can go back to a lot. Um, with them, I don't know like how much more they can add into their concepts. I think it relies on them having a really strong running game, and they can play off of that. I mean, I, I you could always win a 50-50 ball down the field, but it's not necessarily a scheme thing. Yeah, I think our offensive schemes in the passing game is better than theirs this year, so I would be more comfortable with us in a pass-happy game against them. You know, If that's what it came down to, neither team can run it. I like our passing abilities more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't expect that to happen. I think both teams are going to try to run it. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we do spread it out a little bit if we do pass, just because I, on paper, I feel like we should be able to get some passes on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there hasn't really been any team that we couldn't, but I, I think we match up in the pass game a little bit. If Slaughter's having a day, if he's in rhythm, he's making some good throws, I think we could definitely go to it. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Hoban plays it because they scheme it up. They get those open guys. They have some vertical matchups that they like, but I don't know if they could just sit back and do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. They really didn't show me much as far as on the highlight reels, a lot of four verts, switch verts, flood concepts, pretty, they dress it up and run it different and, you know, a pretty, relatively complex way a way which you would expect a team like Hoban to do that yes but at the end of the day the concepts are still the same shit you've been that you run in middle school it's not something that our defense hasn't seen before uh but they do marry up the play action game to their running game Mm -hmm. pretty well so it all starts with stopping the run Mm -hmm. if you're giving up runs then you know it's going to be a long night yeah Uh, Um, because that's when the passes open up and everything but if you're just consistently stuffing them Let's see what they see if they can throw it or not. Yeah, see what they can pull out of their ass. So, I mean, that's pretty much all we got for Hoban. You got uh, got any spreads this week? Yet? Not yet. Not yet. 
I mean, might as well just lay it on the table now. What are we thinking? What do I expect the spread to be? Nope. What do I think it's going to be? What do you th- What do you think the scoreboard says at the end of the game? You want the spread or the final score? How the game goes. Um. I, no, I don't need uh 24-17. Just well, then what do you want? Do you think we win? What do you think the outcome of the game is? I think we win. By... Man. I'm going to say three. Three? Though I was bouncing back and forth between three and ten. Yeah. I was... Uh... If you told me either team is a four-point favorite right now, it sounds right. You know, I think uh, Maslin's a little more battle-tested. They might get the benefit of the doubt, but Hoban's Hoban. Like, it doesn't matter if they got a younger, more experienced quarterback back there. That coaching staff is fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, They've been able to scheme us up pretty well in the past. Hoban's going to be favored. You think? Yeah. I don't have the spreads, but I'm telling you that, like, they're going to have Hoban as a favorite. Yeah. Do you think that's like three and a half? Hoban two and a half, three and a half. I mean, at that point, you might as well just call it a call to pick them. But it's not. It's Hoban two and a half, three and a half. I'm telling you, that's what the spread's going to be. Yeah. If you're thinking that. I mean, I I could see a lot of books favoring that just because of not recency bias, but of the history of it. Yeah. You know, it. Uh, really, our only victory against them has been when nobody scored in the second half. So, hey, I'm fine being the dog. We haven't been the dog in a while. And uh, I think Coach Moore, he's one of his best attributes as a head coach is he's a really good motivator. We haven't been less than 17-point favorites in, like, eight weeks. <laughs> Fuck. It's almost, it, well, I mean, Lake was, what, 17, 17 and a half? Was it? And everyone before that was like 28, 29, yeah. 30. Going all the way back to like week six. Yeah, against it. Going back to the Eds game. Damn. That's the last time we weren't a 30-point favorite. McKinley and Lake. And Lake was 17. So, I mean, yeah, 17-point favorites in seven straight weeks, eight straight weeks. Well, hey, I'm a big underdog guy. I'd rather be the dog. You know? I'm fine with it, yeah. Especially when you look at it, you get in the nitty gritty on paper, scheme wise, and everything. And I think we are the better team, but I'm fine being a dog, man. Um, not just being dogs. I've been hearing rumblings online mm-hmm. that I can't take too seriously. But um, Maslin's the home team. Yes. See, si, senor. But I'm hearing that we're getting the away locker room, wayside, way stands. That would be correct. Why? How? See, wayside hold more people. No, I don't think so. Well, or does it? I feel like the wayside. I'm, trying, I'm thinking when we played them the first time. Yeah, we had the home side, right? Did we? We had the one with the double decks. Yeah, we had the double deck side. Is that, I thought, is I, that I the, thought home, the whole thing was double deck side. Is that the home side? Are both sides double decks? 
I thought so. I guess that would make sense. Maybe it doesn't matter then. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, you're not going to put masks on a stadium and give them less seats than the other team. Like your entire goal in this, it's not gonna, it's not gonna sell out. <laughs> no, but point still stands. Like, who do you think's gonna? Who do you think will bring more people? Well, maybe. It, well, I mean, we'll obviously have more people, but it's. I don't think it's. Or I don't think we're gonna fill it. No, we're not gonna fill it. But if you're putting, if you don't mass them traveling somewhere on a neutral site, you're probably gonna put them on the side with more seats. I mean. Granted, only we only played there a few times, one of which we were both on the field, so I'm not necessarily too versed in Akron Zip oh, Stadium. I guess it is. So it is double. Just the one side has the press box, so it just looks way bigger. Yeah. I would say the capacity is probably the same. Yeah, see, there we go. We have the away side, though? Mm-hmm. Why? You know what? I'll take that. If, I mean, whatever, but, like, why? What's the point of putting the home team on the away side? How do you get a... Here's my thing. How do you get away with that? As like the, isn't somebody going to, like, obviously go to the what you're saying? Like, hey, why is the home team on the away side? You have to be able to answer that question, right? I... Like, somebody has to answer that. Yeah. And just, uh, 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 Hoban likes the home side. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean... I'm just going to – there's two ways. I don't think it matters. Yeah. But since it doesn't matter, why did it happen? That's my thing. There has to be some kind of justification for it. So there's two, I would like to hear why. There's two ways to that I would try to answer that completely out of my ass. Number one, just go on the Occam's razor approach, money. Maybe the away side has more, more seats available. So I – don't know why. Don't know why you would construct your stadium like that. Well, it doesn't. But it doesn't? No. Well, fuck me. Um, okay. Taking that I mean, away. I don't have the exact number, but yeah. from a visual point, no. Okay. Well, then, uh, my other response would be, well, Maslin got to play at home in the state championship game, so we're actually just returning the favor here since this is kind of Hoban's home stadium, too. Okay, but you know they wouldn't actually say that i'm saying there has to be there has to be a public answer to it (laughs) does there yes (laughs) i mean they could just avoid it it's osho they can do what they want i know do do what they want i understand that but i feel like that it's a hard one to not answer makes like you have to have something when they decided all right they're gonna have the wayside they had to be like because they can tell us to go fuck ourselves and just say, oh, it was a coin flip. Well, they do, but whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Weird arrangement, but whatever. <laughs> hey, maybe they flip it and get it wrong and, you know, they got uh, Hoban standing on the sideline with 10,000 Rowdy Masson fans right behind him. That'd be fun. Well, I'm just saying that, like, how many Masson fans are going to show up as the home fans? A lot of them, probably. And they're just sitting on the wrong side. You know what? That's fine. Let's get the TIGERS chant going back and forth. I'm fine with it. Lord also, knows we got but... one walking, talking megaphone in the stands yelling TIG the entire game. <laughs> All of that was like 50-50, what you just said, but stumbling, 
screeching. Yeah. Usually spelled correctly. Generally. Hey, mass into the grave, baby. <laughs> so, fan questions. Yeah. <laughs> fan questions. See what we got. Uh, bum 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 You already asked that one, so let's move on to this one, huh? Mm-hmm. I haven't read these yet, so... Actually, let me jump line, because... Uh, Go for it. Talked about it, I think, last week, or the week before, whatever, about, you know, dude in the YouTube comments always making... Always putting something on there. Oh, was there? Always. I never check. I'm. I I see it. Yeah. And I just I forget to bring it up and hand up. That's on me. Yeah, it is. But finally, I saw it and I'm like, oh, I'm screenshotting this shit. Like, actually get to bring yeah. it up. So, a little less relevant currently, but more general question: Is it just me, or did Mass and Football used to seem a lot more exciting when we were D1? The playoff competition was tougher. Yep. Which would in return make it more exciting. Yes. Outside of that, I don't know if it really makes any difference because we are still facing really good competition at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Yes, the expansion of the playoffs and the lesser competition at the beginning of the playoffs is not that exciting, especially since we're playing a lot of Columbus schools, so it's not even like local teams that we're familiar with. But I don't think the division itself actually really changes it too much. But yeah, if we were in like the Northeast Division of Division One, uh, yeah, that would be more exciting week in week out. But I think the end all be all is still you know going through the Hobans, LaSalle's, Wynn Woods, mm. which you know for a, a couple of years there, Division Two was better than Division One. Yeah, at at the top. Not, you know, top to bottom, but Maslin and Hoban were better than whoever the D1 Iggy's had to Eds. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. I'll actually kind of agree with him because of the week in, week out matchups in the playoffs. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you could be playing like McKinley's mentors, mm. teams like that in the playoffs, which would be more exciting than some random Columbus schools. I mean, week or regular season doesn't matter. We're independent. Yeah, we schedule no. who we schedule. Yeah. The schedule hasn't looked too awfully different since we've dropped down to D two. Playoffs, playoffs. Um, yeah, running down the stretch, the, the competition might be a little more stiff. But I go back to my senior year. You know, I got playing time in our week one game, so. The bottom of it is still going to be about the same as the bottom of your playoff D2 teams. It is what it is. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just a back-in-my-day thing, and that's something you can look at. That, you know, back in my day, the stadium used to sell out and be rowdy. And when the Iggy refs made a really bad call, he'd be throwing shit in the on the field or packed house up at Kent Stadium for rematch between Mass and McKinley or yeah. Rubber Bowl or whatever, but yeah, like you said, it's coming down the stretch. You're facing just as stiff, if not stiffer competition. So it was cool being D one and all. Like just saying it. 
but we can't control our enrollment size necessarily. So Massillon's closer to being D3 than they are D1. Really? Think about that. Damn. Massillon's not a big school. Shit. That's one of those things I never really thought of, put no mental energy into. Just, oh, we're D2 now. Okay. I have put the mental energy into it. I have looked it up (laughs) because of trying to explain that Maslin's not this huge school. You know, we don't have 150 kids coming out for football. Mm -hmm. We don't have a sophomore team that has 50 kids on it like we did 40 years ago. Yeah. Um, We're not that big of a school. We're just not. And if you look at the numbers, we're closer to D3 than D1. Trending downwards. Enrollment In enrollment, yes. Trending upwards in on-field performance. Yes. The size of the school is getting smaller. Yeah. I do have a solution for that. We need to abolish Perry and Tuslaw and Jackson and just make it one big school. There were people that were calling for, like, the combination of, like, Fairless, Tusla, Maslin or something. Really? This was probably, like, 15 years ago. Oh, but shit. Um, yeah, I mean, Maslin's, it's, and sorry to break it to you, we're not going to get bigger either. Yeah. It's not going to happen. So, until we start building a bunch of housing developments like we should be right now, um, that's my thing. You know, people want to talk about jobs. You know, there's no jobs in Maslin. There's no jobs any... Like, well, there are, but, like, there's no jobs in Jackson. No. Not a single person that lives in Jackson works in Jackson. They move to Jackson because that's where the housing is. That's where the... Where ex- the houses are are where the people move to. That's, they will work anywhere. That's where the expensive, oh, look, I have a Rolex houses are. That's where you go when you want to flash your money. So you're saying Nobody need- moves into cities, Hank. They only move out of them. Yeah. Anybody capable of moving out of cities, not anyone, but like that is how the population has been hmm. changing. You spread out more and more, and that's just how it goes. Build more housing, you'll have more people. So you're saying build it and they will come? Yes. Build it and they will come. I mean, you can open a factory, which isn't going to happen, one. But two, even if it does... Where are they going to live? They could live in Maslin. Or they could be like, oh, I'm making $95,000 a year as a factory worker. I'm going to go work. <laughs> I'm going to go live somewhere else. Like, Build it and they will come. Yeah. It's all about the houses. You build housing anywhere, which right now is a horrible time to build houses. They're not building houses, yada, 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 yada. But long term, mm-hmm. where the houses are is where the people will go. Maslin needs more housing. I'll take, I'll take it a step further and say we need to tear down huge portions of housing. And I actually heard this from Uncle Joe. And ever since I heard him say that, like when I dri- driving down Wales, mm-hmm. he's like, we should take a bunch of those houses that aren't so good on Wales, rebuild them. Because you're, if you're coming down Wales, it's like nicer housing all the way until you get to like Hankins, the fire station. Mm-hmm. Then the ones that are like backed up to the hill on the resi, yeah. From there, pretty much to Lincoln Way, they're fall. They're less than stellar. less than stellar, yeah. And it's just like that. Oh, welcome to Maslin sign, yeah, kind of thing. Um, but no, in general, more housing. 
More housing, more people. That's how you do it. Okay. There we go. Tesla's getting bigger. Are they? Yeah. They keep building developments out there. People are moving out of Maslin to go to Tesla. They're like, oh, you mean I don't have to pay a 2% income tax? When I could go to a developed one-acre house? Pretty much the same distance from everything that I already was, but now no income tax? Yeah, I'll do that. So whole takeaway there is if you want Maslin D1 again, abolish the income tax. If that's what it takes <laughs> to get rid of the income tax. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah. Or you're just gonna continually have an open enrollment and everybody's gonna get on Maslin. Because now they count um how many players live outside of the city. Mm-hmm. And it looks bad because I don't know what Maslin's number is or what it has been historically, but they'll be like, oh, Maslin has, you know, 10 kids that live outside of the district. Oh, they must be recruiting. It's like, no, five of them grew up in Maslin. They just bought a house outside the city. Yeah. That So they're counting towards our open enrollment, even though they've been Maslin kids their whole life. And that finally their parents are like, I'm going to move. I'm going to go get a nicer house. Mm-hmm. So they do keep their kid in Maslin. And now it's like, oh, are you recruiting this kid? No. <laughs> <laughs> he did 13 he did 13 years in Maslin City Schools. Like, I, no, we didn't recruit him. They just went and bought a new house. Yeah. So it hurts your numbers that way too. Well. So I mean on a real note like yeah, there's lots of things far outside Maslin football programs control that are affecting our numbers like that. Yeah. So, yeah, it is what it is, but Hopefully we can keep the program on track how it is and just keep it fucking churning, huh? Yeah. All right. So what do we got That next? was your YouTube question. All right. Yep. So jump into one of these uh, Twitter DMs. I still haven't read it yet. Uh, what are you two thinking, I guess, just about the game in general? Is it a low-scoring slugfest or a high-scoring shootout? By high-scoring, I'd say similar to the Eds game. Going into this, let's just stop it there. All right, so okay. is it? We'll do this one part at a time. Low scoring slugfest, high scoring shootouts. Uh, two really good, strong, aggressive run games. Two really stout defensive fronts. I say it's a low scoring slugfest. Nothing but body shots all night. Maybe a couple, uh, you know, haymakers, play action shots over the top. I think she's a low scoring affair. I think it's gonna be probably a little bit higher than that i'd put the over under probably like around 59 really yeah i think both teams are going to have some success i think there are times where you might be able to slow each other down like you might even stuff them up for a drive or two but i think the teams are so good they're going to get a couple of points so i'd say over under 59 somewhere in that ballpark all right because i mean you know you hit on one or two big plays and you know it's a completely different ball game than what we've seen in the last how many weeks now. So yeah. uh, you, you never know who uh, was it. I already forget the teams now. Big Walnut was that the last one? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, hey, return an opening kick, get an interception for a field goal. You know, boom, there's nine points because I missed extra points. So like you know, but like hey, ten points to start the game kind of thing. Like that can go either way. Yeah. You never know when you're gonna get a fumble on. 
special teams or a blocked kick or something, and there's a couple points. And I think holding either team to one or two natural touchdowns is tough. But I could also see that game happening. The weather's supposed to be a little bit nicer, so I think that opens it up a little bit. The game might be a little bit quicker on the turf than last week. Going to help us out a lot because we've been able to, you know, we we spread and shred on, uh, we did it against Moeller, we did it against Eds. Mm -hmm. I think we can do it against anybody. It's we prefer to play football in a phone booth and pound the rock down teams' throats, but when somebody can take that away, either by scheme or by personnel, we can spread you out and we can shred it. I can see it being a high-scoring affair just as well, yeah. but I think both teams are going to lean into their identity, and their identities are power-run teams, and when both teams are doing that, that's just the nature of the beast is going to be a little bit lower scoring. Yeah. Going into this game, what are you most confident about? What are you most concerned about? Hmm. Confident is against Hoban specifically, our passing game. I think yeah. our I think our pass protection has been phenomenal all season. Uh, Slaughter is proving himself a dude. We got dudes out wide. Um, you know, Banks, obviously, Tolls, Wiggins. I think when we need to go and throw the ball, that we can throw the ball. And obviously, obviously, Trell's Trell. I think that's that goes without saying. I am, mm-hmm. I am com- beyond confident in him. But when we scheme wise, our passing game. And just as I th- say that, because we've mostly been talking about the offenses, that that's where my mind went. I'm changing my answer now. Oh, God. How many of these are you going to take? You know, take a multiple choice question. You're going to say all of them. You just circle more than one. I'm most confident that our interior defense will be able to hang. Yeah. I think that's going to be the most important thing. I don't think they're going to go out there and get shredded. Mm. Uh, It's the best front seven we've had in a long time. One of the best in the state by far. Drew said the best in the state. I, before the season started, said that we had the best front seven in the state. People looked at me weird. The Masculine Independent wrote about how bad the Masculine's defense was going to be this year. And what did Rob say? Best front seven in the state. Um... I think they're going to go out there and hang. I'd, I'd love for them to be completely dominant, hold them to 20 yards rushing, but mm-hmm. you know it's it's Hoban. Don't want to get overly confident with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know you were also going to then talk about our run defense, so too yeah. bad. Give me a shot. Uh, what am I most concerned about is uh, Hoban's ability to scheme things up. Not just the personnel battle, but their ability to go out and move people around, do different things that mess with us on both sides of the ball. Yeah, that's a big concern for me too. Their their coaches are so good at that shit, man. That's something that they've done consistently year in, year out. Not just against us, against every team. It's what they do. It's partly why they've been so successful. Um, 
But I think the thing I'm most concerned about is our own special teams. You know, you given up multiple kickoff returns for touchdowns. Yeah. Multiple long kickoff returns. Punt game has been iffy. Haven't really given up a block punt, but punter himself has just been inconsistent with mm-hmm. getting it off. You yeah. Know, how you would want to get it off. He he'll tell you the same thing. I think, and Drew said this, you need to you need to have a good I think the floor is an adequate game on special teams. Yeah, I, I, you can't have a bad one, that's for sure. No, if if we have a bad special teams game, we are going to lose. Yeah. Flat out, point blank, end of statement. Give up a touchdown on kickoff or punt return, something like that, muff a punt. Um, you know, fumble a kickoff, anything like that, going to lose the game. So, sure up the special teams, the floor, the absolute bare floor, and that's putting the load on the offense and the defense even more, is having an adequate game, no mistakes, average performance. We talked about it before. What won the 2019 Hoban game was our punting team. Punting, yeah. That won us that game. So... That unit is going to have to play out of their goddamn minds if we're going to have a chance in this thing. Yeah, I think in general our return game has been fine. Um, you know, we don't have like a whole lot of return touchdowns or anything, but I think they they get the job done. We haven't really like messed up too much. No. Uh, our punt coverage has been okay. Like you said, the actual punts have been real hit and miss. Kickoff, I would like to just try to make it a safest approach possible. You know, if that's boot, kick it in the end zone if you can every single time. Just risk reward is not there; it's not worth it. Kick it in the end zone every single time if you're capable. If not, you know, let's pin him in a corner. Let's send eight guys into that corner and let's round them up. You know, so, mm-hmm. so just try to play it safe on that aspect. But, yeah, if you can kick it in the end zone, do it every single time. No one's ever going to get mad if they start on the 20. Fans cheer when the ball goes to the end zone. Yeah. Like, that's what they want. I mean, you... Well, fans are not the brightest football bunch, but, you know. The the risk-reward is not worth it. I mean, how often are you stopping teams inside the... I mean, it would have to be inside the 15, the 13, the 12, the 11. That's when it's worth it. If you can do that consistently, then yeah, go for it every time. But if you know, even if on your, if you're on your averages, on your good ones, you're still getting out to the 16, 17, 18, and you've been prone to giving up a couple returns, it's not worth it. So hopefully, you know, the wind isn't a factor and kid's leg is warmed up and he can just boot him because we've seen him do it. Mm-hmm. I know there's more to it. Like you know, there's a lot of people that can go out there and kick a ball into the end zone. But how consistently? It, it's a tough. Right. It's a tough yeah. thing to do. So hopefully he warmed up and he's hitting them square, and we won't even have to worry about it. But I think yeah, special teams is a concern. Um, penalties. Yeah, it's another concern of mine. Just got to clean them up. Nothing yeah. else to say about it besides just clean them up. Can't be giving them free yards. Just self-inflicted wounds. Mm-hmm. 
So let's see what else was going on here. It's the last one we got. Great podcast and great insight every week. The film breakdown is awesome. Thank you. Um, I already read that one. Here's this one. A uh, question for the show: How annoying are the Fed schools? Federal League. Yes, they're pretty annoying. Yeah, especially when they like to team up with each other because they're in the same league. Mm-hmm. Man, I could never. Couldn't be me. I think you know the lowest rung of the Fed schools aren't too bad, but it's the Perrys, it's the it's the Jacksons, it's the Greens, and you know what? Green, they can they can have it for now. They beat us on the field. They had their they played. had their one year. Yeah, they had their year. They beat us fair and square. And then they we just teamed up with Lake last week after having a horrible season. Yeah. But I mean McKinley, I'm not even counting them as a Fed school. They're just Yeah. McKinley's McKinley. They're not annoying. They're a historic rivalry. I'm fine with Glen Oak. Yeah, Glen Oak's good. Except for like their freshman team starting fights this year. Less than great. But I guess in general, I'm fine with Glen Oak. Yeah, they play us every year, you know. Um, should be better than they are. I liked them a lot better when it was one, two, three-point spreads yeah. every year. But hopefully someone somehow, some way can get that program back on track to where it should be. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's the little... It's the little pissant schools that just, like, love to yap about it, refuse to play us in the regular season, and then, for the most part, get their shit rocked by us in the playoffs. They're the annoying ones. Yeah. It's kind of like, they they seem like they're in this little club that they're all cool with and, you know, that we can't get in, and they're proud of that, but it's really just like a, it's the worst frat house you can imagine. Like, who do you it's know? It's not here? even a frat house. It's like a treehouse yeah they go up there and like read books <laughs> nerds yeah but real cartoony vibes yeah with the fed schools real uh real like if you're watching a football movie they're the teams that they are like just the most generic teams yeah possible yeah they're like the teams that are just getting beat by the main character's team when that team finally like gets it together and turns it around and then they play like the they play the music in the back they all upbeat happy music montage of like them just beating up on other teams mm-hmm. the teams that are getting beat up are the fed schools yeah you know i could just hear like I- i'm actually picturing the up around the bend by fortunate son playing do you remember the titans yeah they're the team that gets rocked teams that get rocked by Strong side, left side. Which do they only face one way? Like you got flip right, and then you're and then strong side, right side. Just a weird thing to say back. Yeah, I always kind of like wonder that myself. But yeah. regardless, Fed teams annoying. Yes. So, no other questions tonight. I don't think there were. No. Um, got anything else? I feel like I had something and I forgot it. Yeah. Can't be that important, I guess. I mean, hey, man, it feels weird to say state semifinals week 15, doesn't it? Like, Well, anything would have sounded weird the way you just said it. 
or that the fact that week 15 is state semifinals. Yep. Got to go get that money. Yeah. OSHA. And do what they do. As we've discussed that to death. It just feels weird because that was, I mean, my senior year when we thought we could do it. We're getting our shit rocked by Toledo. Um, that was the whole thing. Just, 15 weeks. Yep. 15 for 15. Yep. Go do your push-ups. Now it's 16 weeks. Yeah. Don't even get a buy. Nope. Dumbest, dumbest thing. But, I mean, Drew said, feels like we're the team of destiny. I'm trying to tamp expectations. The more I watch this team, the more I watch this Hoban, it feels like the most vulnerable relative to what they've been. Not saying they're a bad team. They're, you know, they ran through their schedule and only dropped the ball to one pretty good team we saw this year. I'm just doing my best to not, to not get my hopes up. We've been here before, and yeah, I'm definitely not. I, I mean, come Friday, it'll be a different beast. But we're recording on Tuesday. Yeah, I got like a half day of work to do tomorrow. I got turkey stuff to prep. <laughs> I got Thanksgiving stuff on Thursday. God, it is. It's Thanksgiving like, week. It's Thanksgiving too. week. Like Fuck. I am trying. I'm holding myself back until Friday. Yep. But then everybody's off on Friday. You can get up there really early, hang out for a while, then get yourself into the game. Um. That'll be exciting. It's going to be exciting to see like what kind of crowd is up there early mm-hmm. and what kind of crowd in general. I mean, most people don't work on Friday. No. So. No excuses. It's going to be nicer than it was. It's going to be nicer week. weather, too. Yeah. Uh, going to be nicer than it was this past week. You know, you don't have to bundle up as much. You don't have to worry about it. And yeah. You still got to worry about it, but. <sighs> that stadium was rocking last two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Christ. That stadium was rocking. Oh, yeah. Let's get it rocking again, baby. So with that, go Tigers. Fuck Oban. Beat Oban.